everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, and Punky Brewster, <laughs> Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. Today I am bringing you the final installment in the Sarah Plain and Tall trilogy, 1999's Winter's End. In this movie, on a cold winter day, a mysterious stranger shows up at the Whitting farm. He is John Whitting, the father of Jacob Whitting, who abandoned Jacob and his mother when Jacob was little. Jacob is very hurt by what his father did to him many years ago, that he won't have anything to do with him, to which his wife Sarah must do everything to bring Jacob and his father back together again, for the sake of Jacob and his three children, Anna, Caleb, and Cassie, who love their grandfather very much. Okay, so let me give you a heads up here. It's been, I'm going to say it's been six years since Skylark. The movie, well, not since the movie, but I mean, in the story, we, you heard, you, if you listen to my review on the movie Skylark, you'll know that Sarah is pregnant at the end of the, halfway through the movie. We don't know if she has a boy or a girl. However, in Winter's End, we find out that she does have, the wedding family has welcomed a daughter, Cassie, who's six years old. If you see her, you might uh, say, hey, that girl looks familiar. You want to know why? She's Emily Osmond, who is related to Haley Joel Osmond, who, of course, was in The Sixth Sense, Forrest Gump, Pay It Forward, Secondhand Lions. That kid's got a resume. Well, kid. <laughs> he was a kid. <laughs> Let's go. He's, a, he's a, very, uh, a grown man. Anyway, anyway. Okay, so at this time, the characters are six years older. At the end of Skylark, I think Anna had to have been probably about 12. She's now, six years later, she's 18. She's actually working in town. She's studying to be a nurse. This is the time, I believe, when there is an epidemic, a lot of sickness going around. So Sarah's really hesitant to let Anna go, like, there's so much sickness. Are you sure that this is what you want to do? Because she's actually studying under Sam, the town doctor. And Anna has another connection. She is actually in a relationship with Sam's son, Justin, who is currently fighting in the war. I'm not sure what war that is in this point. I'm trying to think. I think we do get a timestamp. It might be... 1918 I'll have to wait when the movie starts I'm just kind of going based on my memory here so that means Caleb was gosh I think he was Cassie's age in the first movie he was like six and then in Skylark he was eight so six years have passed then that means he's like 14 Caleb, the actor who plays Caleb, Christopher Bell, definitely still has that baby face, but he's a lot taller. As far as Cassie, she is a rambunctious six-year-old. She's got a ton of questions, especially for this new stranger who's just showed up on the wedding farm. Just, it's such a good movie, a good conclusion. I wish, you can definitely tell in this movie, though, I mean, it's 1999, it's only supposed to be six years later, but boy, oh boy, do <laughs> 
Christopher Walken and Glenn Close look like they are in their... They honestly look like they're in their 50s. But then again, that was the time back then when things were really hard. I mean, you could be 30 and you'll look like you're 50, 60 years old. So this episode, episode, this movie has a 6.8 out of 10 based on 871 ratings. Playing John, we have Jack Palance, who has been in a lot of things. I'm trying to see, when did Christopher Wolf, okay, 43, so yeah, he would definitely be well into his 50s. Let's see, Glenn Close was born in 47, same thing, yes. So we have George Hearn playing Dr. Hartley. He is the doctor that Anna is working under. She's studying to be a nurse, she's helping with a lot of the, you know, the residents in town that are staying, they have a um, little hospital, you know, bed set up. In the infirmary for people. We have, yes, Emily Osmond as Cassie. We have Mae Parker. We have Kaylin Pick as Justin. Let's see, what I recognize. I, gosh, he really didn't do much, but that's okay. Um, missing from this movie. Yes, we don't see Matthew or Maggie. We don't see Rose and Violet. We don't see Baby Tom. My guess is in the movies they don't they don't come back. In Skylark they they moved and I'm just going to say in the movies they don't come back. And the books they are very much present. One thing that irritated me, I think it was Grandfather's Dance, it's the fifth book in the series. They just mentioned the girls, Rose and Violet, there's no mention of Baby Tom, so but then again, by that time, I mean, that baby's at least a couple years older than Cass. I mean, in the last book, Cassie's got to be about, like, maybe close to ten. And she has a little brother named, gosh, what was that baby's name? Matthew, I think? I don't know. <laughs> I'm already forgetting. But yes, I will eventually do a separate podcast on the t last two books of the series. So that way you guys can get an idea of like, okay, how did they wrap the book up and everything like that. The movie was directed by Je Glenn Jordan, who did all three of the movies. Of course, the novelist Patricia McLaughlin, who also wrote the story so they're very very pretty pretty close to the books all right so let's get started here with the movie the opening scene of course we see teenage Caleb he is got a lead rope that he's taking from the barn which I believe is probably connected to the house. That is a thing that they did back then when the snow drifts were so high you could get lost going from your house to the barn. And you do see remnants of snow, so this is just before Easter. So you know winter isn't exactly over with just yet. And of course we have Nick following Caleb as he's walking I'm guessing back to the house with the this large rope. And we do have, just like in the first movie, the opening instrumental of Where Have You Gone, Billy Boy. 
I don't know if that's the title of the song, but I know those are some of the lyrics. And that song does continue on in this movie. Yeah, apparently even that rope was even wrapped around a tree, which that's a good thing. You want that rope to be, you know, taut and everything so that way it's not going to, like, be on the ground, which is going to be useless if there's snow on the ground. Is it just me, or does it look like this house has had a little bit of updating? But we're actually, it looks like we're kind of seeing it from the side. Like, where the uh, the kitchen area is. And it honestly looks, the house, I thought the house was kind of like in the second and first movie. It was more like a dapper gray color. Here it's more like, um an egg white color like maybe over time they replaced because this isn't vinyl siding it's like wood okay we do see the rope when caleb throws it down it is connected to the door that leads in in the house now as soon as caleb goes in the house we do get this sinister type of music we do look out to the field where there is a man on a horse. He's kind of in shadow. You can't see his face. And he's riding towards the farm. Um, Real quick, I just remembered. I do want to say there are some medical triggers in this book when it comes to the character of John. Because let's say if Jacob's in his 40s, then... John is more than likely going to be in his 60s. And there are things, you know, health-related that are going on with him. So when we get to those scenes, I will give you a heads up. And mainly it's just medical talk. But I will let you know, for those of you that do have medical triggers, when that scene happens. So if you want to jump ahead a little bit, you can do that. I want to be able to make sure that you guys get to enjoy this without, you know, these medical references interfering with your enjoyment of the movie. Now, we stay on this stranger to the point where he does come into view. We do see him. He's got white hair. He's got a hat. He's got a heavy coat on. He's also got a scarf around his mouth and everything because you know it is still winter out so even though the sun is out the sky is blue there's remnants of snow on the ground it's still and it's probably march or maybe it's april i don't know it's still gonna be a little bit chilly he's just sitting on his horse this man we will later come to learn his name is john but that's all i'm gonna say well, actually, since I read the synopsis, you kind of already know who this guy is going to be. So, yeah. Okay, so we do actually get a timestamp here. We not only get the year, we get the month. It is March 1918. Okay, so I looked it up. 1918 flu pandemic. Also known as the 1918 influenza pandemic. Caused by H1N1 influenza A virus, lasting from February 1918. So they're roughly a month into this because, okay, and it lasted to April 1920. Holy good golly. That is two years and two months of dealing. Oh my god, man. 
But no, that does get mentioned that there that's why Sarah is really hesitant to let Anna go and you know, study under the doctor and help with, you know, the sick people of the town. It's like, are you sure you want to do this? Because there are just so many sick, sick people, and I really don't want to see you get this. And even, well, I'll, 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 let me table that for a minute, and let, let's just start, let's get into this first before I start jumping ahead too much. All right, so Caleb comes in the house. The, oh, the house looks beautiful. Sarah really put some great touches on the house. And even just the last six years, the house looks updated more for its time. It really, really does. You know, there's a lot of, oh, I think that's a telephone. Like an early telephone. There's some bread on the It looks like breakfast was just had. Caleb probably had to go out and do some chores before breakfast. The wallpaper looks, it just looks, this house looks gorgeous. Being of its time. Alright, so it looks like we are going to meet the Whitting family again and just see how things are a little different. They're more even a family than they were when Sarah first came you know, when she and Jacob got married and everything and then in Skylark it's been a couple years. They were still, you know, you know, being a, a newly a newly family, and now it's like okay, they've settled into the routines and the roles and everything, and it's, it's just beautiful. And now the addition of young Cassie, who pretty much seems like that girl rules the roost in that house. She is just, she's giggly, she's bubbly, she's full of questions, she's very very inquisitive. And remember how I said. That journal that Anna starts in Skylark will continue on in the series. It does. That's why the book, Winter's End, is actually called Caleb's Story. Now, I'm not exactly sure why the title of the movie was changed to Winter's End, but I can understand, like, okay, it's not just going to be Caleb's focus. Because it is, I believe, from Caleb's point of view in the book. But they wanted to make it about the entire... I'm just kind of curious. I, I kind of, now looking back, I wouldn't have minded at least another movie where Sarah does have, you know, her son. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, no, no, no. The, her, the son she has, his name is not Matthew. It's Jack. That's right, because if you think about it, John also can be... You know, Jack can be short for John. I remember that in The Wonder Years, where the dad's name was Jack, but, you know, his father called him John. Or in American Dreams, his name was Jack, but, you know, everyone called him Jack, but though his name was John. I don't know why. No, it's not. It's not that. So, all right, let's get introduced again to the Whitting family. I took the guide rope down, Papa. It's cold, but there's not a sign of snow. It's good, Caleb. Hope the winter's over. I hope so, too. You want coffee? Who made it? I did. Maybe I'll have some milk instead. Why would Caleb want coffee? Where's Sarah? It's upstairs. Hoping it's just a pack for town. Caleb comes in and he says he took the guy. Okay, it's called a guide rope, which that makes a lot of sense because it's from 
the door of the house all the way out to the door of the barn. You know, it's wrapped around a tree and everything. That way you don't get lost and, you know, lose your way, even though the barn isn't that far out. It's like snow, many, many feet of snow can make all the difference in getting lost, especially if there's blinding snow and stuff like that. And you can't see where you're going. So, yeah, Caleb comes in and says, I took the guide rope down, Papa. So... The rope was cold, but I don't think it's going to snow anymore. And we do see little Cassie playing with her dolls in the sitting area. I'm just going to call it, like, the living room, the sitting room, the family room. Yeah. So I was surprised Jacob actually asked Caleb if he wants coffee. I don't know. Maybe teenagers drank coffee back in the late teens, early 20s, <laughs> and of course Caleb's like, oh, who made it? And Jacob says, well, I did. And Caleb's like, you know, I think I'll have some milk instead. And he asks where Anna is, or and where where's Sarah? And Jacob says, well, she, she's upstairs helping your sister pack for town. So they're getting ready to send Anna into town where she's, like I said, she's going to be staying at the doctors where they do have beds set up for incoming influenza patients. And I don't know how far town is. We actually do see the doctor driving, what do they call that? Like a Model T? Like one of the, that's like when the the cars started rolling out and they were all like only one color black. <laughs> so yeah, it just... So I don't know the distance between town and their home. But we do get to see plenty of Anna. And now we go upstairs where Sarah is asking Anna to reconsider, I don't really want you around that kind of sickness. And Anna says, well, I've been working with them for like weeks and I haven't gotten sick yet. She says she's been helping for months and she hasn't got it yet. It only takes one time, Anna. It only takes one time. And she says, some people just don't. I haven't gotten anything. I haven't gotten sick. So, why does it almost sound like she's saying, like, I could be immune, but, it, I mean. Anyway, she says, Dr. Sam depends on me. And, of course, from the dresser, she picks up a stack of letters, which are her letters from her boyfriend, Justin, Dr. Sam's son, who's fighting in the war somewhere. And this is so sweet because this is kind of how this whole thing got started in Sarah Planental was the exchange of, you know, writing letters back and forth. And Anna says, when I read Justin's letters, it's like he's standing, standing right here next to me. And Sarah says, you know, letters have that power. And Anna tells Sarah, like, I know that you and Papa worry, but I am going to be fine. It's good to have an optimistic, you know, view of it. It's, it's, it's very good. And Anna says, you know, this is what I want to do. And I love Sarah when she just, she, they're both sitting on the bed. And Sarah looks at Anna and she just says, you're all grown up. When did that happen? And Sarah kisses Anna on the cheek. Oh, it's just, I love this. We have come so far with Sarah and Anna since the first movie when they were still Sarah was like really treading lightly around Anna. Anna still is like 
holding close to the memory of her mother not wanting to let Sarah in and everything. And then in the second movie, it's like two years had passed and they were had gotten close. And now six years later after that, it's like they are mother and daughter. And it's just, I love it. I love their relationship. They've just come such a long way. I wish you'd reconsider and stay a while longer. It can't be wise to be around so much sickness. I've been helping for months, and I haven't gotten anything. Some people just don't. And Dr. Sam depends on me. <sighs> Justin's letters. I've kept them all ever since he's been at war. When I read them, it's like he's standing next to me. Letters have that power. I know you and Papa worry, but I'll be fine. This is what I want to do. All right. You're all grown up. When did that happen? So we cut back outside. We're by the barn. We do see John so far to the stranger. He is tying his horse up to one of the posts on the barn. So as Sarah and Anna, we go back to the house. They're coming down the stairs. Sarah mentions that she made some fresh baked goods for Sam. And Anna's like, oh, yes, Dr. Sam would be so disappointed if I didn't come back with something that you baked. And, of course, Jacob has to say, well, keep some for us. We like your... Yeah, Jacob says, keep some for us. We like your rolls, too. And she's like, oh, come on. There is plenty for everybody. <laughs> and Sarah even says, you know, that's the least I could do for, you know, Dr. Sam putting you up and training you and everything. So... Sarah goes over to the window and she looks out and Jacob stands up and he's like, oh, is there something wrong? And Sarah says, oh, no, I just thought I saw someone. And Jacob's like, well, it's probably one of Cassie's imaginary friends. Oh, I just love Sarah and Jacob so much. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting at this point in the show, in the series, he is now wearing glasses, which somewhere along the six years. Well, no, wait a minute. No, I think he had glasses in the beginning. Like, probably help him read and stuff like that. But, so, since he's taking Anna into town, he asks her, like, do you need anything while I'm there? And she's like, yeah, you can go to Mrs. Parkley's. I need some wool and some other things. And they kiss. And she's oh, I love them. I love their chemistry between Glenn Close and Christopher Walken. It's just, it's so sweet and it's adorable. And you just, ugh. They play these characters so, so well. Get some fresh rolls for Sam. You can take them with you. He'd be disappointed if I ever came back without something from the kitchen. Oh, well, he's putting you up, training you. It's the least I can do. Keep a few for us. We like your rolls, too. There's enough. There's plenty. Don't worry. What's Caleb reading? Is that movie? Something wrong? I thought I saw someone. It's probably... One of Cassie's imaginary playmates. <laughs> you want me to stop by Mrs. Parkley's? Yeah. I need some wool. A couple of other things. <laughs> List on the table. All right. So it looks like we're going to play a little hide and seek as Cassie runs out of the house counting. No, Caleb's counting. 
and Cassie is just full of giggles like, <laughs> and of course we got Jacob bringing the horse and wagon because he he tells them like, don't don't go far, we're gonna be leaving soon, you know, say goodbye to your sister and all that stuff, and and Caleb's like, oh, da, da, Papa, don't worry, this won't take long, believe me, because Nick. Oh, okay. This is interesting. This is Nickel. This isn't Nick. However, in the book, Nick and I am blanking um, the other dog's name, Bella or something. They were alive in the books. But apparently this is the son of Nick. And we do find out that in the movie here, Seal... Does not exist anymore. She sadly passed. However, in the book, in the two books, the two remaining books, Seal's still alive, and she's a grandmother. So, yeah, they kept some kittens. Those kittens had kittens. Those kittens had kittens. So, yeah. really wish they could have kept Seal. I mean, my goodness. It's only been eight years. I don't know how... I don't think Seal was that old when Sarah first came to to uh, Kansas. So I'm just like, come on. Cats live for like close to 20 plus years. Or 20 years. 18, 20, I don't know. They live quite a while. So I don't understand why they couldn't have her. Unless the cat that played her. I know we, we don't know if the cat who played her in the first movie is the cat who played her in the second movie. And if that cat is still with us. Well, not now. I mean, no. But, um, apparently six years later that cat was not available to, uh, reprise her role as Seal, which I think, sadly, is horrible. Where's Moonbeam? Is Moonbeam so We heard that sound, so I don't know. Maybe Moonbeam is over there in the barn. I don't know. The calf that was born at the beginning of the movie Skylark. <laughs> okay, I was like, don't worry, this won't take long. And he's, like, shouting, 9, 10. And he's wearing the same. I swear, he finally, Caleb finally grew into that hat he was wearing in the first movie. That was so big. And now it's like, oh, he finally grew into it. So Caleb's like, I hear Nickel. I'm going to find you, Cass. And because Cassie is running alongside the barn. And she hides around the corner. And Nickel is barking. And she's like, Nickel, hush. Nickel, hush. Turns out Nickel is barking at the stranger who's in the barn behind Cassie, and Cassie is surprised. Actually, she's kind of she's frightened, which I understandable. I mean, she's six years old. She sees someone she doesn't know in their barn. That'd scare me. So John, of course, right now he's a stranger. Says Cassie, is that your name, Cassie? So John also asks. What's your papa's name, or, um, what's your, uh, what's his name? And she says, Papa. And then he asks, well, what's your papa's name? And she says, Jacob. And you hear Jacob calling for Caleb and Cassie. And, of course, you hear Caleb saying, I'm going to find you. <laughs> and apparently Nichols stopped barking because he's just sitting there panting at the guy and then he walks off with Cassie. So John, who's now not holding the scarf up to his face, he was when he was talking to Cassie. And he's like, oh, Jacob. So 
he wanted clarification that the family that lives there, yeah, that Jacob, that's who he's looking for. He's looking for Jacob. Four, five, six, seven. We're leaving soon. Don't go far. So after hide and seek, Cassie and Caleb they're walking back to the house, and Cassie says, "There's a man in the barn, and he's wearing a green blanket." And of course, again, the family is used to Cassie telling stories about imaginary friends and <laughs> what have you. And Caleb is no different here. He's like, "Oh, you and your stories." Did he jump out at you and say "boo" as he starts to tickle her? <laughs> I gotta say, Caleb is a really good big brother, which I didn't think, I had no doubt in my mind. Like, this kid's gonna rock it as a big brother, just like Anna was a good big, and she still is a big sister, you know? So we get back to the house as Sarah and Anna, Anna is ready to go to town, back to Dr. Sam's, and she's got her... <laughs> suitcase and Sarah is making Anna promise her like now you promise if you start to feel ill or you feel sick you'll call me you know because it's 1918 and they got telephones now that really is windy and you can see remnants of snow so Anna bends down in front of Cassie and Cassie's like I'll miss you Anna and Anna says, oh, don't worry, Cassie. You won't have to miss me for long. I'll be home for Easter. And Anna hugs Cassie. And Cassie's like, will you write me a letter? And Anna's like, yes, and you can draw me pictures. So Jacob's in the wagon, and Sarah just wants to make sure he'll get back before dark. And Jacob says something about picking up a tractor hitch. And also, the character of Jess that we met in Sarah Plain and Tall, I believe we also met in, you know, we also saw again in Skylark. He's another neighbor who usually comes around looking for work. And it's just the fact that he mentions a tractor, because that's another thing. In Sarah Plain and Tall and Skylark, we, we never saw a tractor on the farm. He was always working, you know, with the horse and the plow and everything. So that's another, you know, upgrade due to farm equipment and times changing. So, Jacob starts driving the 
wagon to town. And, of course, Anna is like, oh, Caleb, I have something for you. I'm like, he was standing right there. Why don't you give it to him then? <laughs> it's the journal that she had started in Skylark. Oh, he takes he's like, an empty book. It looks like a composition book. And he's like, what is this, an empty book? And she's like, well, you can fill it while I'm away. And he says, well, I'm not the writer like you are. And she says, don't worry, words will come to you. Everyone, yeah, everyone is really bundled with a lot of blank, um, a lot of layers. Because it, like I said, it's still, it's March. It's still cold. <laughs> and Oh, my goodness. Ugh, ugh. Makes me, makes me cold just looking at it. tells Caleb he's got chores and as Sarah's going into the house after Cassie and Caleb she looks out again at the yard it's almost like she noticed like something is amiss but she can't figure out what it is so now we go to town with Jacob and Anna as he drops her off at Dr. Sam's and Sam says how happy he is that he has Anna working for him because she does the work of five people and Anna asks how one of the patients, Mrs. McKenzie, is doing, and luckily her fever broke during the night, so she's going to be fine. And you know, Sarah isn't the only one who is worried about Anna you know, working with all these sick people. Jacob is also worried as well, which, I mean, you know, it's her, her father. Her parents, you know, it's their job to worry about their kids, right? Because, yeah, even Jacob asks, are you sure it's safe for Anna to be around so much sickness? And Dr. Sam says, you know, we're taking every precaution. And Anna's like, Papa, don't don't worry. And, of course, Dr. Sam's like, Anna, your father worries just like I worry about Justin over there in the war. So, apparently, Justin is in Europe. Okay. So, luckily, there's a letter. Anna, oh, the, she, such a big smile. And of course, Jacob asks, like, oh, what does he, does he write about things going on? And uh, Dr. Sam says, well, he mainly writes about coming home to Anna. Like, oh, this is so sweet. I love it. So we get to the house, and Caleb's bringing in more wood since, you know, the wind's picking up. 
which <laughs> I love Sarah saying, yeah, wind in Kansas, no surprise there. So Cassie's coloring at the table, and Sarah remarks on the picture being colorful and original. She's drawing a picture of the man that she saw out by the barn. Caleb tells Sarah, you know, with her imagination, Anna should have given her the book to write in. Of course, we hear what is the barn door kind of flapping in the wind. And Caleb's like, well, I thought I shut it. I guess I'll go shut it again. So, of course, the door is just hanging open. Caleb goes in there. And he sees this black horse. And he's like, where did you come from? And we hear coughing off screen. And Caleb turns around and sees the stranger. Caleb asks, who are you? And then John tries to speak. And Caleb's like, I'll be right back. So, of course, he runs to get Sarah. And we see Sarah and Caleb coming out of the house, and Sarah's asking Caleb, well, did he say where he was headed or anything? And Caleb's he didn't say anything at all. Did he say where he was headed? He didn't say anything at all. <coughs> I'm Sarah Whitting. This is our farm. Are you sick? Just tired. There's a lot of influenza about. I can't risk the health of my children. I'm not <coughs> sick. I've been traveling and I'm chilled to the bone. Well, with only that blanket in this weather, I'm not surprised. <coughs> Help me. We'll take you to the house. You don't have to ask. Why don't you sit here when it's warm? Caleb, there's some hot tea on the table. Will you pour them? I told you there was a man. That you did, Cass. Sorry. Well, there you are. You don't have a fever. <sighs> Is there someone waiting for you? Should we let them know? There's no one. Well, why don't you just rest here when my husband comes <coughs> back? Jacob. Oh, you know him. Did you come to see him? I did. Well, that's odd. I don't remember him mentioning he was expecting someone. He wasn't expecting me. <sighs> well, he's taken our daughter into town. So there's an empty bed upstairs that you're welcome to. Thank you, Mrs. Whitting. Well, Sarah is fine. But I don't know your name. John. My name is Cassie. The dog is named Nickel. He's the son of Nick. He had a cat too, but she died. She no, went out one night. Hush now. I think the man needs his rest. Caleb, would you please see him up to Anna's room? 
You can go up. Lie down. So Sarah and Caleb come into the barn. Sarah introduces herself as Sarah Whitting, and she asks John if he's sick. Like, are you sick? And he says, no, I'm just tired. And Sarah makes it clear, there's a lot of influenza going around, and I cannot risk the health of my children. And John again says, I'm not sick. I'm just tired. So Sarah decides, like, with that blanket, I can understand, because he says, I'm chilled to the bone. And she's like, well, with that thin blanket, I can definitely see why you would be. So she offers to take him up to the house, like, get you, you know, him warmed up, probably get something in his body to warm him up, tea or something. So that's exactly what they do. They bring him up to the house, and, of course, Cassie right away is like, I told you there was a man. And Caleb's like, yes, I'm sorry, Cassie. So, he pours John some tea. I like how Sarah just immediately jumps into action. I mean, she has John sit in a chair. She gets him an Afghan blanket from the couch. She's trying to warm him up as best as possible. Gives him some warm tea. She even offers, because Anna is staying in town, you know, working with Sam... The doctor, she says, well, our daughter is gone into town with my husband, and there is a bed upstairs if you want to rest for a while. We also get from Cassie a little update, as I've said. She comes up and says, this is Nickel, you know, the dog. He's the son of Nick. We had a cat, too, but... She died. She went out one night, and then, of course, Sarah cuts her off. It's like, well, in the book, Seal is still alive. I really wish, like, even if they couldn't have, like, oh, Seal's around here somewhere. Or she's, like, upstairs or something. But, come on. Why couldn't they? I mean, I really feel like they could have kept both Nick and Seal in the movie. Granted, Nick probably would have been, you know, pretty old at this point. But still, come on. Well, when Sarah puts a blanket around John, she actually puts a hand to his forehead. It's like, oh, you don't have a fever? He's like, no, I'm not sick. I said, I'm just tired. So Sarah asks, is there anyone we can get a hold of, anyone that you are trying to get to? And he's, John says, no, there's no one. And Sarah says, well, when my husband gets here, and that's when John says, oh, Jacob. And Sarah's like, do you know him? And he's like, is he expecting you? And John's like, no, this isn't a expected visit. Oh, well, she asked, did you come to see Jacob? And John says, I did. And Sarah says, well, that's weird. He didn't mention he was expecting anybody. Of course, he calls her Mrs. Whitting, and she says, no, Sarah's fine. You can call me Sarah. And she says, I don't know your name. And he's like, well, it's it's John. And he says, John, just, you know, no last name or anything like that. No, no, Seal did not die in the six years between the second movie and the third movie. I am calling 
No, that's just, mm mm-mm. So Sarah has Caleb take John up to the bedroom to rest, and Cassie is saying, is he a robber? And Sarah says, well, if he is, he's not a very good one. Now we're going back to town with Jacob. We see, doing the influenza, there is a 1918 version of a hearse. There's caskets. There's also black wreaths on people's doors, which represent, you know, if a family member has passed on, probably due to influenza. There's even one of those, what do they call them, like a sandwich board type of thing that has... I don't know if it's a president or some, you know, the sign that pointing to somebody that says, I want you to enlist, something like that, whether wearing the red, white, and blue. I don't even know what it's called, but there's one of those signs. So yes, we are definitely seeing more vehicles, at least a few of them. But there are still some people, like Jacob, that is relying on a horse and wagon for transportation. Okay, well, guess what? Betty Laird plays Mrs. Parkley. She played her in Sarah Plain and Tall and in Skylark. I'm so happy that they got the original actress back. That is so awesome. So, yeah, he's got a list from Sarah, and as Mrs. Parkley is gathering the stuff that Sarah needs, she's going on about Dr. Sam got a letter from Justin, how bad the war is, those poor men, and also we're all kind of dealing with our own thing on the home front with this sickness, and she's asking how Sarah and the kids are, and just like, oh my goodness. And Mrs. Parkley says something that's going to kind of foreshadows what's to come. She says, I don't think we're going to have any more snow, but you never know. Well, you never know. (laughs) So Mrs. Parkley asks Jacob about the wool. Like, is there any color that Sarah is partial to? And Jacob says, well, gray, green, and blue, the colors of the sea, which, yeah, definitely. That is a running theme throughout the trilogy yeah all right so now we get back to the house looks like it is after dinner because sarah is cleaning the dishes and caleb's sitting at the table trying to figure out what to write and he's talking about oh blank page is so hard to fill that's the thing yeah with blank pages or even a blank document it's like what to write play write and Caleb, you know, and Sarah says, you know, words will come to you. And he's like, but from where? And she says, well, about what you see, what you think, and what you feel. You know, and what you wish for. Oh, there's the phone. So, looks like it's Jacob. I don't think he's going to make it back tonight because, I mean, just looking out that window, it is dark. I can't see him wanting to try to make it in the dark. I mean, honestly, there aren't, like, lights and stuff. There aren't headlights on a wagon. So, my guess is he's probably going to stay in town for the night and make for home in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's right, that tractor part he needed. Because he's, it's not going to be ready till the morning, so he'll just stay with Jess. Alright, cool, cool. And when Sarah sits down at the table, Caleb's like, you didn't mention John. And Sarah's like, oh, that's right, I, d- I completely forgot. 
I think it's probably best that she didn't anyway, because that would have raised too many questions. I think he probably would have been concerned and probably tried, like, I don't like the idea of some stranger staying in the house. You know, it doesn't matter that he's an old man, it's just... So it doesn't sound safe, especially with everything going on right now. So it's probably just as well she didn't mention it. So Caleb's like, you know, maybe I should write a story about how we found him. And that way Papa can read it later. Well, you know what? That's a good way to start. Just start writing. Things will come. That's usually how it works. So Cassie comes in and she's like, he's sleeping. I was watching him and his eyes blink. And of course, Sarah's like, you leave him be. He needs his rest. He needs sleep. He doesn't need questions. So Caleb says, you know, Anna will be really good at this. She would say, one winter's day, a stranger came to the wedding farm. And of course, Cassie's like, a robber. And Sarah's like, no, he's not a robber. Don't pretend. So I like how Sarah is sewing at the table, and Cassie is, I'm not sure what it's called. It's like that round wooden circle thing with um, that fabric over it, and then you kind of sew like an image or something. I think this must be where they're singing Billy Boy, Billy Boy. So I like that that song was carried down to the next generation, generation of wedding children. Page is so hard to fill up. No words seem right. Words will come. From where? Well, from what you see, what you feel, what you think, what you wish for. Hello? Oh, Jacob. Yes, yes, I can hear you. Well, we just finished supper. Oh, all right. All right. No, we'll be fine. Goodbye. <sighs> well, the tractor part won't be ready until the morning, so your papa is staying with Jess tonight. You didn't mention John. I completely forgot. <laughs> Maybe I should write a story on how we found him. Papa can read it later. Maybe so. He's asleep in Anna's bed. I was looking at him. His eyes blank. You leave him be. He needs his rest. Anna were here. She'd write a story. One winter's day, the family was alone. A stranger came to the wedding farm. A robber. He is not a robber. Don't pretend. What do you think he wants with Papa? I don't know. We'll find out in the morning. Right now, he needs sleep, not questions. I have been to seek a wife, she's the joy of my life, she's a young thing, cannot leave her mother. Did she bid you to come in, Billy boy, Billy boy, did she bid you to come in, charming Billy? Yes, she bade me to come in, there's a dimple in her chin, she's a young thing, cannot leave her mother. Did she set for you a chair, Billy boy, Billy boy? Did she set for you a chair, charming Billy? Yes, she set for me a chair. She has bring me to 
Yes, she baked for me a pie. She's the apple of my eye. She's a young thing who cannot leave her mother. So Sarah, Caleb, and Cassie are singing, you know, Billy Boy, the song. And we cut upstairs. John's lying in bed, and he immediately snaps awake. It's like... I'm thinking that that is a song he or maybe his wife had taught to Jacob and, you know, Jacob's siblings. And then Jacob, when he became a parent, passed that down to Anna and Caleb. And then thus also in this movie, Caleb passes that down to Cassie. I just, I, I love that. How, I mean, even in the opening scene of Sarah Plain and Tall, we hear Caleb singing that song. And we do hear the instrumental version throughout the first, the second, and this movie. And it just, it's sweet. I really, really love it. But just his reaction, he just kind of, he lifts his head up like he's, he's listening. And it's just like, I think, yeah. Of course, at the end, Cassie's clapping and Sarah's like, shh. Like, remember, John's upstairs sleeping. All right. Well, at first I thought Caleb was ga gathering wood, but no, John is gathering wood and bringing it to the house. Like, okay, well, he's up and he's about. He's getting things done. Good for him. All right, so we cut back to the house, and the instrumental music that's playing, it almost is like a curious sound. Like, his, Sarah goes to get some coffee and when she sips it she's got this look on her face like oh clearly she didn't make this coffee somebody else did but when John comes in I think that he was expecting like when he went out to get the wood nobody was up but then he comes back in the house probably thinking you know everyone's still asleep so he's surprised when he sees Sarah there he's like oh good morning hi <laughs> So, yeah, Sarah's like, this is really good coffee. And she tells John, because John's got that, you know, cut wood. She's like, well, that's Caleb's job. And John says, well, he's taking care of the stock, you know, and my horse. So I feel like I want to do my share, which I think that's sweet. Okay, so this is clearly the next day. Because Sarah's saying, you know, good night's sleep really works wonders. And, of course, Cassie's up, and she is staring at John. <laughs> Just staring, like, trying to figure out, like, who is this guy? She's so inquisitive for sick. But then again, aren't kids at that age really, they're all about the asking the questions? I want to play this clip. It's so adorable. Because John's sitting at the table, and he sees Cassie watching him. And finally he's like, what? And she asks, are you a robber? And Sarah's like, Cassie. And he's like, no, I'm not a robber. But it just, it's so adorable. I just think it's so cute.
he's taking care of the stock. I, I want to do my share. So you're feeling better this morning? Yeah. Good night, sleep. Works wonders. That it does. travel yesterday? The animals are off, Dad. Took care of your horse, too. Thank you. <laughs> What's with all the stairs? Everybody... Are you going to get ready for school? Or are you just going to stand there staring at John? I want to stare at John. She's nothing if not honest. Of course, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> so Jacob arrives, and everyone's like, yay, Jacob's here, Papa's home. And John's just, you know, he's sitting at the table there. He's probably thinking about what he wants to say. So Sarah says, there's company here to see you. And Jacob's, you know, sees John there, and he's like, oh, can I help you? And John stands there, and he says, oh, you don't recognize me? And Jacob's like, no, did we meet in town? And then John says, well, I'm not surprised you wouldn't recognize me. It's been a very long time. Well, actually, after John asks, do you recognize me? And Jacob just kind of looks at him confused, like, have we met? And John says, a long time ago. And Jacob's like, uh, I don't remember. Was it in town? And John says, well, there's no reason why you should remember. It's like, guy, no, he's not going to remember you. He's like 40 years old and you left when he was like really, Jacob was, you know, really small. It's It's been a long time. And if you think about it, a person can change over the course of 40 years. They're not going to always look the same. So Cassie kind of sort of breaks the awkwardness by saying, he's not a robber, Papa. And of course, Sarah and Jacob kind of laugh at that. <laughs> and this is where John says his, his name is John Whitting. And Sarah's like, oh, Whitting, so are you two related? And Jacob just is like, no, that can't be. John Whitting is dead. And John looks at Jacob and he asks, is that what you thought? And Sarah's like, oh, okay, we gotta get the kids out of here. Because this is getting really awkward and tense. So she says, Caleb, can you take Cassie upstairs to get her, you know, ready for the day? And Caleb is like, now? Like, really? You want me to leave, like, right now when this is going down? And she's like, yes, now. Oh, yeah, Caleb is holding the basket of stuff that Jacob got from Mrs. Parkley's. Parkley's? Yeah. Oh, it also looks like a town newspaper also is in that basket, and a bunch of, like, uh, wrapped things, like maybe some dry food goods or something. I'm looking at the yard. There's a dark blue, a light blue, and a gray yarn, but I'm not seeing green. 
And John says, I know this might be a shock. And Sarah asks Jacob, like, Jacob, who is this? And Jacob looks at Sarah and says, this is my father. And even Jacob can't believe it. It's like I said, it's probably been over 40 years. And he thought that his father was dead. So it's almost like he's looking at a ghost. Think about it. To believe somebody that you know has been dead for you, like you grew up believing that, and then all of a sudden this person shows up and says that they're your relative that you thought was dead. It's like, yeah, of course you're going to be freaked out, very confused. And Sarah's like, your father? But you said, and Jacob tells her, I said what I thought was true. You know, that's probably what he was told. So Jacob looks at John and asks, has Sarah made you comfortable? Do you have everything you need? And John says, yes, your family's been very hospitable to me. They've been very welcoming. So Jacob, of course, is like, well, I got to go feed, what did you say, Belle, like the horse or something? I got to go feed her. She needs to eat. And Sarah's like, well, Caleb can do that. And Jacob's like, well, he's busy right now. So, of course... Like anybody, if you're in an awkward situation and you don't know how to handle it, usually it's, what, a fight-or-flight situation where you, like, you get out of the situation. You, like, you put some distance, some space between you. Like, you like you, you got to figure things out. This is a major, major event. This is a major thing. It's like, he's got to be able to try to take a moment and wrap his head around what's just happened. This is a big information drop. This is like a... So we see Cassie and Caleb on the steps, and Cassie turns to Caleb and asks, who is he? And Caleb says, I think that's Papa's father. So basically, it's their grandfather. And Sarah turns to John and says, why didn't you tell me who you were yesterday? And John says, I wasn't sure I'd be welcome. And Sarah asks, why wouldn't my husband's father be welcome? And John says, that's something you need to ask Jacob. Papa's home. I'll go see if he needs help. John, it's Jacob. Papa's home. Hello, Papa. <laughs> this is going to be awkward. Papa! That's my girl. Oh. We missed you. Jess sends his regards. Uh, there's company here to see you. You miss me too. Yes, Papa. What can I do for you? You don't recognize me? Have we met? A long time ago. I don't remember. Was it in town? No, there's no reason why you should remember. As I said, it was a long time ago. He's not a robber, Papa. <laughs> My name is John Whitting. Whitting? Are you related? John Whitting is dead. Is that what you thought? Caleb, could you take Cassie upstairs and help her to get dressed, please? Now. Now, please.
must be a shock. Jacob, who is this? It's my father. Your father? But you always said. I said what I thought was true. Has Sarah made you comfortable? Is there anything you need? Your family has been very kind. Good. I have to feed Belle. She's hungry. Well, Caleb could do that. Excuse me. Excuse me. Why didn't you tell me who you were last night? I wasn't sure I'd be welcome here. Why wouldn't my husband's father be welcome? That's a question you should ask Jacob. So Sarah goes out to the barn to see Jacob and she puts a hand on his arm and Jacob starts saying, you know, I thought he was dead. And that's what I was told. You know, he left the farm. He left me, me and mama. And I honestly, I don't know how old Jacob was when he left. My guy, he's, I mean, if he's old enough to remember it, I, would say the most a person could probably recollect far back would be maybe four and up. Especially if they're vivid memories that had an impact. Like something that would really stand out. He said he, yeah, he said he was younger than Caleb, so my guess is if Caleb, let's say Caleb was six in the first movie, so he's probably like four or five years old. And Sarah's asking questions like, did he go away to find work? Did he go to war? And Jacob's like, I, I never knew. He, he was four. He, he probably never even knew to ask those questions. And Jacob says, you know, one day he was here, he was Papa, and then the next he was gone. And, and Sarah's trying to be rational. She's trying to think about, well, a man doesn't just up and leave his family with no cause. There has to be a reason why he left. And Sarah says, so basically you made him dead in your mind. And Jacob says, no, Mama did that. She probably figured it was easier than what the truth was of him just up and leaving us. And Jacob is asking the what ifs, like, what does he want? Why is he here? And Sarah's like, well, really, you know, the only person that can answer those questions for you is John. So why don't you try talking to him? So back in the house, Caleb and Cassie are looking out the window. Well, Cassie's like trying to get up on the kitchen counter like, I want to see. And Caleb says, there's nothing to see. They're still in the barn talking. So John comes down the stairs. Caleb turns and says, hello, grandfather. And John's like, oh, so you heard. And Caleb says, well, it'll be good to have a grandfather. And John says, to Caleb, like, I'm not good, Caleb. Don't go thinking that. And Cassie, of course, is like, you're not a good man? But before John can answer, Sarah comes in. 
So Sarah sees John, looks like he's ready to go up somewhere. And John says, yeah, I'm going to go for a walk. So Sarah puts an arm around Caleb and says, would you like Caleb to show you around? And Caleb says, yeah, I'd be glad to do that. And John's like, no. And John's like, oh, I know the farm. It used to belong to me. And I'd be like, uh, okay, what what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, do you want to take the farm back? What's going on here? And as John opens the door to go outside, Sarah asks, have you come back for long? And John looks at her and says, we'll see. Like, basically, that's all up to Jacob and whether he wants John to be there. So, and Cassie is like, where's Grandpapa going? And Sarah tells him he's going for a walk. Of course, Cassie's like, oh, I want to go. And Sarah tells her, no, he, I think he needs to be alone. Caleb asks Sarah, is Papa happy that Grandfather's home? And Sarah tells Caleb, well, it's complicated. And Sarah explains how John left when your Papa was just a little boy, younger than you even. And Sarah explains, you know, that hurt your Papa very badly. You imagine if your Papa left you? And Caleb's like, well, Papa wouldn't leave. And Jacob says, no, Jacob, um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I don't think he would. But Sarah says, no, your Papa wouldn't leave. No, he wouldn't do that. And Sarah says, but his Papa left. And Caleb wants to know why. And Sarah's like, well, I, I don't know. Apparently, it's still school time because it's March. So, and Caleb's already late. I think at some point in the movie, Caleb does mention that there are kids that are leaving school. I don't think it's to go off to war, but maybe they're working on the farm or something. I want to see. There's nothing to see. They're still in the barn talking. <laughs> Hello, Grandfather. Don't get hurt. It'll be good to have a Grandfather. Not good, Caleb. Don't go thinking that. You're not a good man? Are you going somewhere? For a walk. <laughs> Would you like Caleb to show you around? I'd be glad to do it. No, there's no need. I, I know the farm. It used to belong to me. I'm sure you know. Have you come back for long? Where's Grandpapa going? Well, he says he's taking a walk. Well, I want to go too. No, Cassie, I think he'd like to be alone. Is Papa happy Grandfather's going home? Well, it's complicated. John, your grandfather, left when your Papa was only a little boy. It hurt him very badly. You can imagine how you'd feel if Papa left you. But Papa wouldn't leave. No, he wouldn't. But his Papa did leave. And why? I don't know. Now hurry up, get your books, get going. You're already late for school. So it's later that evening, they're getting ready for dinner, and Sarah is talking about how in Maine a good uh, fish 
chowder would be really good on a cold main night. But now that she's been in Kansas for quite a few years now, she says that she's grown partial to a good Kansas stew. So, yeah, things are getting a smidge heated here. Because Caleb's setting the table and Jacob says, well, the food's hot, we should eat. And Caleb says, no, not without Grandfather. And Jacob says, well, we've eaten without him all these years. I'm sure it'll be fine. Caleb, you know, Sarah agrees with Caleb. Like, he's company, Jacob. I think we should wait until he gets back. My goodness, it was daylight when he went for a walk. What time was it? Did he walk around the entire farm? I mean, I don't know how many acres there is on that farm, but maybe he walked in the woods. I, I have no idea. So, of course, John comes in, and Cassie's like, Grandpa, supper's ready. And Sarah's like, oh, well, we were kind of starting to worry. Where did you go? And Sarah's like, we were starting to worry. And John's like, well, I got kind of turned around. You know, I used to know every inch of this farm. And then he also mentions about the trees that were, were you know, removed along uh, the, the fence line. But John actually starts talking about how when he bought the land shortly before he got married, how he broke broke the land and cultivated, you know, that kind of thing and everything. You know, I worked hard to make it mine, and Cassie's like, was it yours? And John says, well, it's the Whitting Farm, Cassie. There is a lot of uh, <laughs> tension in the air. Even Caleb and Cassie can kind of feel it, because even Jacob's just sitting there, you know, with, with his uh, fingers kind of, you know, steepled. You know that there's an argument that's going to come up. Of course, John sits down at the table and goes to reach, you know, to grab for probably a slice of bread. And Sarah interrupts him saying, oh, well, Cassie, do you want to say grace? And she's like, God is grateful. God is good. And we thank him for this food. And <laughs> Sarah's like, no, food. <laughs> You can see the steam rising off that food. It looks amazing. I would definitely eat a Kansas stew. I would, I mean, if Sarah is making a fish um, uh, chowder, I would eat that too. I would eat, I would definitely eat that. She just looks like she's an amazing cook. So John, of course, starts in with saying how, oh, I see you cleared the walnut trees to the west. I don't know if I would have done that. And Caleb is the one that jumps in and says, well, we lost those trees in the fire that also took the barn. So he's talking about what happened during the movie Skylark when they had that drought and, and the fire that took, the, they had to rebuild the barn and, every, you know, all of that stuff. So it's not like he did, you know, it's not like James said, I don't want these walnut trees here, let's get them out of here. Yeah, it's, it's like John is kind of criticizing, like, I don't think I would have done that. And Jacob doesn't answer him. He's like, oh, this stew looks really good, Sarah. That does look good. And I'm not sure what, is that supposed to be like peaches in a bowl? I'm not sure. So Cassie again with her questions is like, do you like children? You know, she's asking John. Oh my goodness. And he says, I don't know many children. And Cassie says, asks, do you like the ones you know? 
And Sarah's like, okay, you need to be eating your food, Cassie. You need to not be constantly asking questions to John. Of course, wow, this is awkward. And she's like, well, because Jacob's the one when she asked you, like, the ones you know. And Jacob's like, okay, Cassie, you need to stop. And then Cassie's like, do you like Papa? It's like, okay, this is awkward, kid. I mean, I get it she's six and everything, but come on. That is like the most uncomfortable question in the world. And an already tense and uncomfortable dinner scene. Ugh. Thank you, Sarah. She looks at Cassie and says, what I would like is for you to eat your supper. Them, this, them eating stew makes me kind of want stew. I tried that Dinty more stew and it was just not good. It was the kind you toss in the microwave, because right now, being in a hotel, the only thing we have to heat our food is a microwave. So we're kind of limited on the type of food that we can have. That's like, and we've, honestly, we've been here just about a month now, and it is really starting to set in. Like, okay, we're, we're, we're ready, honestly, to get out of here. I mean, I don't know if we could even survive another month. This is just getting <laughs> too much. But anyway, <laughs> that stew looks delicious. So Cassie stopped with the questions, but Sarah certainly hasn't, as she asked John, where did he come from? And she asks, where do you make your home now? Because at first, when she's like, where do you come from? He's like, excuse me? And Sarah's like, well, where do you make your home now? And he says, oh, nowhere. Just, I move around a lot. So John says, you know, this this place is the only place I've ever called home. This house, this this land. Oh, my gosh. And, and Jacob, I just feel bad because... You know, as John's saying this, we cut to Jacob's expression. He's just drinking water, and he's just like, because I'm sure Jacob's got all these questions. Like, yeah, why did he leave all those years, and why all of a sudden is he back? And my thing is, I think sometimes when people are away for a long time and then they come back into someone's life, there's a reason why. Some of it could be guilt. Some of it could be regret. Some of it could be maybe they realize they don't have a lot of time left and left, and they're trying to make amends. Could be an, another thing. So of course, phone rings to cut through this awkward conversation, and Sarah's like, "Oh well, that must be Anna." And Cassie, like every child, is like, "Oh, I want to answer the phone." That was such a big thing back in the day. It's like. When I was living with my cousins, and whenever the phone would ring, there would be a fight over who's going to answer it. It's like, seriously? It's a phone call. Of course, there's a chair there, so that way Cassie can step up onto it to be able to reach the phone that's way up on the wall. Okay, Cassie. She is like, Anna, guess what? Grandfather was lost, but now he's found his way back home, and he... Uh, he, she says he is not a good man. Oh my god. Somebody rescue Anna from that phone call, please. It's like, Anna has no idea that John is even there. She doesn't know, like, who, what, grandfather, I, what, huh? Cassie, can you put on, like, Papa or Sarah or even Caleb? Because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Good grief. Like, someone's got to, like, like, you're missing a lot of key information here, kid. I get that she's six, but whoo. 
when when she says, and he is not a good man, you know, she's referring to John, and you just see Caleb's face, Jacob's face, I'm sure Sarah and John's expression, too. This is, I mean, like I said, not only is it awkward for Jacob, but it's gotta be awkward for John as well, because he's just sitting there, he knows everyone is, like, looking in his direction. Oh, she's Maybe sitting on a fish chowder can always cut through the cold of winter nights. But truth be told, I've grown partial to a good Kansas stew. If it's ready, we should eat. Can't eat until grandfather gets back. Food is hot. We've eaten without him all these years. And years before you came. He's company, Jacob. I think we should wait. starting to worry. Did you have a good walk? Uh, I got turned around. I used to know every inch of this farm. When? Oh, I bought this farm long before I married. I broke it, planted it, and worked hard to make it mine. Was it yours? It's the winning farm, Cassie. Grace, Cassie. God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. 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 Do you like children? I don't know many. Do you like the ones you know? Cassie, that's enough. Do you like Papa? <laughs> what I would like is for you to eat your supper. some soup. <laughs> so, where have you come from? Excuse me? Where do you make your home now? Oh, nowhere. I move around. <coughs> this is the only place I, I ever called home. This, this house. This land. Oh, that must be Anna. May I answer it, please? All right, quick. Hello? Anna, guess what? Grandfather was lost. But now he's back home. And he is not a good man. It looked like Caleb wanted to smirk a little bit and see what looks like they're trying to laugh or something. 
So we're outside now. It's after dinner, and Jacob and Sarah are taking a walk. They're holding hands, and Sarah brings up the fact, like, remember when we took a walk at the property when I first came out here so many years ago? She goes on to say how when Jacob was showing her the land, you know, Jacob's land, there was so much pride in, you know, how he, he talked about it and everything like that. And Jacob says, yeah, I remember that. And Sarah looks at him and says, like, nobody is going to take this land away from you, Jacob. Nobody. She tells him, it's yours and mine till the end, and then we will give it to the children. And Jacob's like, oh, I don't know about Cassie. <laughs> so he's kind of talking about Cassie when Jacob's like, yeah, does she always have to speak her mind? And Sarah says, yeah, she hasn't been quiet, like, for five minutes since she's been born. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so, okay, so when they had Cassie, it was wintertime. Okay. Because I remember in Skylark, it was summertime when they had that drought, and then they came back towards, like, maybe the end of summer, so, okay, yeah, well, you got a nice little timetable there. And I love how they're talking about Cassie and about how she was so little, and Jacob's like, yeah, and loud. <laughs> and Sarah says, I just love that little opinion opinionated girl of ours. It's so, I love, I love Jacob and Sarah together, and I just, I love them talking about you know, when she first came there and just over the years and everything. It's just, I love their relationship so much. They've really grown so much as a couple over the years. And she's like, where she gets her stubbornness? And Jacob's like, I have no idea. And they kiss and they hold each other. Oh, it's so beautiful. And Sarah says to Jacob, I love you, Jacob. And my heart is melting so much. And she tells him, you're a good husband and a good father. And she asks Jacob, she says, don't you think you should hear his side of it? And Jacob is kind of putting up a wall here. He's like, what other exclamation could there be, explanation could there be for abandoning your wife and child? And Sarah tells I don't know, but don't you think we should try to find out? And maybe Jacob doesn't want to hear any excuses that John has. And Jacob says, I'm not interested. And Sarah says, you don't mean that. He's like, I know what I mean. I don't want him here. And Sarah says, you know, that's not fair to the children. They have so little family as it is. And Sarah tells him, you know, this is a chance for them to know the grandfather. And Jacob's like, yeah, grandfather by blood only. And he says, you know, I can forgive him for dying, but I can't forgive him for walking away. And Jacob's pretty final with this, as he says, I want him to go. Like, I don't want him here. And I'm surprised he didn't say something to the fact of, I don't want him to hurt my kids like he hurt me. I'm not going to put them through that. But he doesn't say that. You remember when I first came here all those years ago? Not so many years. We walked along this fence, you and I. You showed me this land, your land, and there was such a feeling of pride when you spoke about it. I remember that. No one's ever going to take this away from you, Jacob. No one. It's yours to the end, and then you and I will give it to the children. Except maybe for Cassie. 
Does she have to always speak her mind? <laughs> she hasn't been quiet five minutes since she was born. Yeah. That was winter too, remember? She was so tiny. And so loud. Maybe. But I do so love that little opinionated girl of ours. So where she gets her stubbornness? I have no idea. I love you, Jacob. So much. You're a good husband. Good father. <laughs> Don't you think you should hear his side of it? What explanation could there be for abandoning your wife and child? I don't know, but I think we should try to find out. I'm not interested. You don't mean that. I know what I mean. I don't want them here. That's not fair to the children. <coughs> they have so little family as it is, this chance to get to know their grandfather. Grandfather? My blood only. I can't forgive him, Sarah. I could forgive him dying, but I can't forgive him walking away. I want him to go. So back inside the house, Cassie is doing dishes with John. And Cassie, of course, being six years old, she's like, this is not fun. And John says, well, you know what? Your mom probably doesn't like it either. And because he's, you know, bending down to talk to her, we see the first sign that there is something medically wrong with John. As he bends over in pain and he goes and grabs a bottle of medication out of his coat pocket and takes it. So clearly he is not well. But Cassie's so immersed in these dishes that she doesn't even notice when he's bent over in pain. Caleb was sitting there the whole time with his nose in that, you know, book that Anna left him. He was he didn't even notice when John was bent over and he's gripping the chair and pulling it out so he can actually sit down for a minute and you know kind of yeah it's like Caleb I didn't even know Caleb was sitting there I thought he was like in another room somewhere and Caleb tells John that he's writing about him in his journal and John is. Like, you know, I, I don't think you have much to write about. And this is where John gets a little irritated when, you know, not only has Cassie been asking questions, you know, eventually. It's like, dude, you come to this farm, you're a stranger. You say that you're Jacob's father. You're telling me you didn't expect people to have questions? I mean, I get one thing that, yes, the person's allowed their privacy but it's like you basically dropped a bomb on this family I mean in a way they kind of have a right to know something about especially now that we know he's not physically well there's something going on clearly because he took a pill I'm thinking it's his heart Caleb's kind of prying, no, not prying, but he's kind of prying, like, it'd be easier if, you know, you could, you know, tell me. And John just, 
I guess if he, he kind of snaps at Caleb. He's like, there's nothing you need to know, Caleb. That's my business. Dude, you do realize you're talking to your grandson, right? Bad for Caleb. He's like, oh, I don't mean to pry. And John's like, well, then don't. So, of course, Cassie's done washing the dishes because John's taking a sip of, you know, probably coffee. And Cassie is right back to staring at John's face. And he's he asks her, isn't there something else you can do? And Cassie looks at him like, no. And John turns to Caleb. He's like, isn't there something else you could do? And Caleb's like, well, she's only six. She can't do much. And Caleb says, well, she plays with marbles and draws pictures and stuff like that. And Cassie tells him, I drew one of you. And that's where Caleb's like, oh, she plays hide and seek. And John's like, oh, good. Go hide. <laughs> and she runs out of the room. And she's like, okay, come find me. And... Because <laughs> John apparently doesn't get to... It's it's in the title. It's hide and seek. It's like, okay, now she, she's hiding. You have to seek her. You gotta find her. And John just looks at Caleb and says, You go find her. And Caleb's like, Alright, Cassie, I'm coming. And you hear her say, No, I want grandfather. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, when he says... Okay, he tells Cassie to go hide. And Caleb says, well, you have to count first. And he's like, one, two, three. And Caleb's like, no, you have to do it slower. And then he's like, one, two, three. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> John just breathes such a sigh of relief once he gets to eight. And then she's like, okay, I'm ready. Come find me. <laughs> he's like, uh, you gotta find her. And John's like, you go find her. Like, uh, okay, I'm coming, Cassie. This is not fun. Your mama probably doesn't like it either. writing about you in my journal, Grandfather. I can't see that you've got much to write about. It would be easier if I knew more. There's nothing you need to know, Caleb. That's my business. I don't mean to pry. Then don't. little. She doesn't do much. She plays with marbles and draws pictures. I drew one of you. She plays hide and seek. That's a good idea. Go hide. You have to count first. One, two, three. Slower. Four, five, six, seven, eight. That's much better. 
Now you have to go find her. <laughs> you find her. I'm coming. Who cleaned up? Cassie did. Oh, I imagine she liked that. I imagine she liked that. She loved it. Maybe I... Maybe I shouldn't have come. Why did you? Is it for the farm? After all these years, do you want it back? No, I don't want the farm. I only wanted to see it, to see it was in good hands, but that's not the main reason. Then what? There comes a time when you want to know what happened. To see how the story comes out. Well, that's the same for Jacob. Only he needs to know the beginning of the story. He needs to know why you went away. The answer wouldn't help him. Well, maybe that's not for you to say. You've stirred things up coming back. When you toss a stone in a pond, you get ripples. So Sarah comes in from outside and she notices that the dishes have been cleared off the table and they're not in the sink. She's like, well, who cleaned up? And John says, well, Cassie did. And Sarah's like, oh, yeah, I bet she loved that. And John's like, oh, yeah, she did. She loved it. Like, uh-huh. So they kind of get into a discussion of, because John says, you know, I'm kind of wondering now if coming here was a good idea. And Sarah's like, why did you come? Did, like, she asks, like, is it because of the farm? Do you want it back? And he says, no, I don't want it back. I just kind of wanted to see if the farm was in good hands after all the years. Because, you know, for all he knew, another family could have taken over the farm. The, you know, maybe he probably thought his wife would have taken Jacob and his siblings and just left the farm. And she finds, she goes poking around in his coat pocket pulls out the vial of pills and of course I think John does see and then they have a confrontation about that that belongs to me what are these for it's only a few left my health is none of your concern it is if it affects my family yeah, really. it doesn't if you are ill Jacob should be told a son needs to know about his father. It's too late for that. Then why have you come back if it's too late? You came back for a reason. If you lose your strength now, what a waste it will be. For all of us. So, yeah, John does catch Sarah with his pills there's only a few left and he said those are mine and she's like well what are they for and he tells her well that's my business and she says 
this concerns my family. Because he pretty much doesn't want them to know what's going on. It's like, dude, like I said, he came there, dropped a bomb, said that I'm your father, Jacob. And Jacob believed his father was, you know, dead. That's what his mother said. So you come there, you have health problems. You probably don't know how much more time you have. But it's like, and I get it, everyone is entitled to their own privacy but you come in there and you do that you're not just affecting your son you're affecting that whole family that family is even though it's been like a couple days that family especially cassie and caleb they've gotten comfortable around john you know they know he's their grandfather and she's just Telling him, you know, Jacob is your son. He has a right to know what's going on with your health. And she says, if you just, if something happens to you now without telling your son what's going on, you know, what a waste. This whole thing, you coming here, just, it's a waste. You come come here and you just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I 100% agree with Sarah. It's like, you invited this whole situation. You came in here and... So, come on. So, in the next scene, it looks like they are taking John to town with Jacob and Sarah. Cassie, of course, is not understanding why she and Caleb can't, can't go. Sarah explains to Cassie that... There are a lot of sick people in town. I explained this to you at breakfast. I don't want something to happen to you. And Cassie's like, but why do you gotta go? Why can't Papa just go? And Sarah's like, you know, it's it's just better if I go too. Like, that way she can be a buffer between John and Jacob. They're not really talking to each other. And when they are, it just seems, you know, Jacob's really hostile and so which is understandable i mean like i said a lot this is a big development here in this family so with this reveal so yes it's best if sarah comes to and just is that buffer between the two of them so jacob is like okay that's enough questions for this morning okay be good and please listen to your brother jacob tells caleb we'll be back before dark and of course Sarah's like, oh, we might bring you some licorice from Mrs. Parkley's. I'm like, yay! Strawberry Twizzlers, no red vines, and definitely no black licorice, please. Because I'm sure there was black licorice during this time. It's gross. It's disgusting. I hate it. No, nothing bad about people who love that stuff. That's great. I also hate the black jelly beans because they're nasty. They're just like black licorice. Oh my gosh, I still remember this time. Um, I went with my dad over to uh, his uh, friend and wife's house. We usually would go over there. And they had, a, they had a big jar of black jelly beans. Now, of course, I said I hate black jelly beans. I really had no reason going into their jar of jelly beans. But I ate a good lot of them. And I remember because I was bringing this up with... Um, 
my dad's friend's wife and she said yeah we were all just standing there watching you thinking you were gonna like throw up or something <laughs> and then i was nine i wasn't like six years old i was nine when i did this oh my goodness <laughs> i just hate that killing me so much so <laughs> Uh, Jacob and Sarah and John leave and Cassie's like do you think they'll meet any robbers on the way and Caleb's like Cassie is that all you think about and she says no and they turn around go back inside of the house because he promised he's going to make her cocoa aww what a good he is such a great big brother which I'm not surprised so now we go to Dr. Sam's Anna is dressed in her uh, nurse outfit. She's carrying what looks like some bed sheets. And she sees John. She has no idea who he is. John just comes in and says, I need to see the doctor. She's like, well, he's with a patient right now. Can I get your name? And he says, it's Whitting. John Whitting. And it's like, yeah, like I said, he doesn't know who Anna is. Anna doesn't know who he is. But now she knows. It's like, Man, everywhere this dude goes, he drops a bomb. It's like, uh, great. So you know, some grandfather that I heard about on the phone. <laughs> oh, that's that's a nice compliment, Anna. She says, "Oh, you're not as old as I thought you'd be." I mean, he does have white hair. He's got the wrinkles, you know, casual, typical what you would think of. Uh, older grandparent might look like. I mean, he's got to have Jacob's like in his forties. John's gotta be in his 60s. So John realizes that is Anna. He's like, oh, I should have known. You resemble your father. I hope you're a lot more talkative. It's like, so he doesn't know Jacob. That's just Jacob's way. He's not a big talker. He never has been. And Anna says, Papa's always been fine with people he knows. Oh, Burn. So John sits down and tells Anna, Sarah told me to tell you that she's going to Mrs. Parkley's and if you got a minute, if you can get away from your job, if you want to go and meet her there. May I help you? I need to see the doctor. Well, why don't you come in? Thank you. He's with a patient right now. If I could give him your name. It's Whitting. John Whitting. Oh. You're not as old as I thought you'd be. Uh, you're Anna. I should have known. You resemble your father. I hope you're more talkative. Papa's always been fine with people he knows. Why don't you have a seat? Sarah asked me to tell you that she was going to Mrs. Parkley's store and that you should join her there if you can. All right. I'll tell the doctor you're here. So, Sarah and Anna are just walking along in town and Sarah is explaining how John really isn't really talkative. He's really a lot like Jacob. 
<laughs> and it's interesting because they're walking past this town they've lived in now has a movie theater for five cents matinee every Wednesday. Apparently you can go see the movie Cleopatra. Is that right? You know, I've watched this movie a, f a few, I've watched this movie a few times over the years and I've never really looked at, you know, when Sarah and Anna are walking and, you know, talking, I don't think I've ever really taken notice that they're walking past a theater and I'm just like, well, depending on when the first movie was made and everything like that. I mean, I remember, what was it, back in the late 30s when Wizard of Oz, that's like one of the first big motion pictures, so I'm just kind of like, and I looked at Cleopatra, and I only saw the one from like the 60s listed there. There, I mean, there were some others, but I just don't know. And I believe each month, excuse me, each movie has a special feature, a making of special feature, which I think I definitely want to watch that one because I don't think I've watched all of them. And it just maybe giving the actors and actresses giving a little more insight into how their characters have evolved since, you know, the second movie. Maybe this isn't a movie theater because it says evening performances every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So is this, I'm wondering if it's like a performing arts theater where they put on plays and stuff like that. It's, like, it's not a movie theater. At least I'm not thinking so. But, and it's 1918. So I, I got a you know, bone up on my history when it comes to movie theaters. Okay, I saw something that said photo plays, so I really, maybe, is it pictures shown on a giant screen with, like, sound effects or, like, music playing in the background? Like, oh, like silent films, right? Kind of, sort of? Maybe something like that? And I love how Sarah calls, <laughs> you know, John and Jacob not being that talkative and how similar they are. She refers to it as a witting family trait. And Anna's like, yeah, but Papa's not like that now. That's because Sarah helped open him up and got him to talk about his feelings and verbalize. So Anna says, you know, I bet Caleb will find out because Sarah tells Anna, like, John is just so bottled up with, you know, his secrets. And Anna's like, well, I'm sure Caleb will find find out what they are. And Sarah says, yeah, you know, he's been fascinated with, with John ever since he discovered him in the barn. I'm sure he's going to fill up that journal that you gave him. And I love how we get a throwback to the first movie as Anna says, Caleb's a good judge of character. I mean, he loved you from the moment he saw you when you first arrived. And yeah, she mentions about how Sarah rode up in her yellow bonnet and how Anna says, you know, I, I didn't like you at first. And Sarah's like, oh, but you like me now. So what is that? It's not a, it's not a candy cane. It's like... Oh, it's like black and white striped, like, stick of, oh my gosh, is that a black licorice stick? Yuck. Ew. Blew. You know what? To each their own, right? Right. 
I love how Anna turns to Sarah and says, I love you now. Because Sarah's like, well, you like me now. I was like, no, I love you now. And it's just, oh, I love that the relationship has evolved so much in that amount of time. We also see Sarah and Anna passing something that says job printing. We see a family there flipping through a newspaper. We also see in the glass it says Har what? Something about saddles. There's something that says honor roll. Victory, liberty, and loan. Okay. Just interesting seeing all this stuff in town as they're walking past. They just I never stopped to take notice of it before. And we also see dry goods and notions. So that's gotta be like where you get your groceries and all that fun stuff. Maybe that's Mrs. Parkley's store. And Anna talks about how she was angry when her mother had passed away and left her. And Sarah changes the subject and asks if Anna's heard from Justin, being he's in the war. You know, has she gotten another letter? So Anna says there's only been one letter this month. Sadly, Justin lost a friend. And his letter just sounded like he was really lost and frightened. And yeah, I, I can imagine, you know, he's writing, you know, to Anna and stuff. And definitely, you know, wanting her comfort and her kind words to kind of help him work. The, it's just, oh my goodness. And I was just thinking not just of the physical aspect, you know, of being injured. There's also the mental aspect of being over there and what they're seeing and what they're going through and just how that does change a person. Well, they would always say it's like they go to war one way, but they come back and they're like almost a com pretty much a completely different person than who they are when they left. And, you know, Anna breaks down and Sarah holds her and comforts her and gives her, you know, kind words, reassuring words to help her through it. Oh, here comes Jacob. And Sarah says about how a person would do anything to help someone get through difficult times. And Sarah is looking at Jacob. And I think it's just... The situation with John being there and everything and John holding back about why he really came to the winning farm. And how Sarah wants to protect Jacob's, you know, she wants to protect his heart and just, you know, protect him from being hurt. Because he doesn't really know the truth of why John's there and just, it just really opened up an old wound of, of hurt and pain that Jacob is just, he, he's, he's put it away. You know, he, he, he buried it and he just moved forward and moved on. And just now it's like John's there and it's just like the rip the bandaid off. Him. It's just, it's just, it's sad. But I mean, sir, you know, being a wife and a caring woman, she wants to protect her husband from being hurt. He's a hard man to understand. Just like your papa when I first met him. A witting family trait, I suppose. Oh, papa's not that way now. Not since you came. Because we trust each other. John's secrets are bottled up all tight. Caleb will find them out, I bet. <laughs> He's been fascinated from the moment he found him in the barn. 
Fritz inspired him to write in that journal you gave him. Caleb's a good judge of character. He liked you the first time he saw you. Riding up in your yellow bonnet. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Mm, and I didn't. Well, you like me now, so... I love you now. I think I understand how Papa feels. When Mama died, I was angry that she went away and left me, even though she didn't mean to. What do you hear from Justin? Only one letter this month. He sounds lost and a little frightened. A friend was killed. The morning he wrote and... Sarah, I'm so scared for him. Oh, of course you are. When the one you love is in trouble, you worry. You know, wishing you could make everything better. Knowing you'd do anything to help. All right, so word of warning for anyone with a medical trigger. We are now going into the scene with Dr. Sam and John. They are talking about John's medical condition. So just word of warning. I'm not going to play the clip here. Just I don't want to rattle anyone. And I just want to kind of talk about it. So... Of course, Dr. Sam wants to know the last time John did see a doctor. John says it's been about a year, maybe a little more. And he hands Dr. Sam the pills that were given to him by the last doctor that he saw. Dr. Sam asks, well, what did your doctor say these pills were for? And John tells him, for pain right here. And he, you know, touches, you know, his chest where his heart would be. So John says, you know, I didn't really pay much attention. He probably just kind of waved it off like, okay, thank you for the pills. I'll take the one I can. But of course, John isn't really so much concerned about what's going on with him. He's more concerned about making things right with his son after all these years. And John tells Dr. Sam, I'm more concerned about other things. And Dr. Sam says, well, what other things are you more concerned about other than your health? And John tells him, leaving things undone for too long. So Dr. Sam's diagnosis, of course, for John is what these pills tell me, what you've told me yourself, and what I've gathered from examining you is you need to take better care of yourself. And Dr. Sam does say, I don't want you doing any strenuous labor. Your heart can't take that. Just think, this is 1918 when we didn't have nearly as much information and equip medical equipment that we do now that really can look at preventative care ahead of time before something gets worse, before something becomes a problem before something is too late to take care of. And it just makes me think also about like Dr. Baker on Little House on the Prairie and how, I mean, you go to middle, medical school, right? You read the books, you're basically going based on what you've read and, you know, examining, you know, a patient and everything like that. You're just kind of going based on, I'm not saying guesswork, but you're giving the best 
ability that you possibly can. And mind you, granted, Little House on the Prairie took place in the late, mid to, you know, the late 1800s, the, the television show. And this is 1918, so we've already seen the reveal of the automobile. And also the fact that Jacob doesn't really need a horse to plow a field. He has a tractor now to do that. So a lot of things have changed since the beginning of this movie series, this movie trilogy. So John is all about a man has to pay his way, a man has to do the share. He figures, you know, since I'm staying with them, I want to help out. I don't want to just be, you know, a layabout and stuff. Dr. Sam does give John another set of pills. I want you to, he says, I want you to be taking these along with your other pills or probably after. He only had, what, three pills left, I think, of his other meds, so... Yeah. And he also says, I want to see you for a follow-up visit in about two weeks and kind of see, you know, once the medicine, you know, starts to take effect and whether they can hopefully see some improvement. And, and that's honestly the thing. I mean, it's like, yeah, a doctor can prescribe something to help you, but if you're not going to help yourself along the way as the medicine is hopefully, you know, taking effect and whatnot, then it's kind of a moot point. Like, if you're taking something, like, and you're not doing anything to improve your situation, then what is the point of taking, you know? You gotta be able to help yourself. You gotta be able to want to. But then again, that's the same way with me. All it takes is taking those first steps to be able to want to lead a better and healthier life. And until you eventually start taking those first steps and doing that, then you're pretty much going to be continuing down the same road that you were before you started seeking help and wanting to make a better change in your life. And John's like, oh, if I'm still here. And Dr. Sam says, two weeks. And if you don't come to me, I'm going to go out there and find you. So he's really adamant. I love Dr. Sam. We don't get a whole, whole lot of him. Just a little bit when it comes to, you know, Anna or in reference to his son, Justin, who's fighting in the war right now. But I love that Dr. Sam cares about his patients. He's a very caring man, you know, not just in with his patients, but with Anna and taking her under his wing. I mean, he is going to be her father-in-law, so that we know, you know, Justin and Anna do eventually get married in the final book of the Sarah Plain and Tall series. And I say series because there's five books in the series. Dr. Sam says, I will talk to Sarah and Jacob about your diet. And John is adamant. He's like, no, I won't have you say anything to them. They're not to know about this. Even Dr. Sam was like, well, John, they're your family. Don't you think they have a right to know? And... <laughs> Dr. Sam just looks at John and says, you're too, stu you're too stubborn to die. I can tell. It's like, yeah, that's clearly a wedding family trait there, the stubbornness. It's like, no question, you'll be around in two weeks. <laughs> All right, so we go outside the doctor's office and we see Sarah shoving her, um, her purchases from Mrs. Parkley's onto the wagon. She had a nice visit with, with, Anna, which is good. So Anna goes over to Jacob, who's getting 
the bridle. Is it the bridle or the bit on the horse? And he tells Anna, it's like, yeah, I see you and Sarah were having a serious talk. And Anna tells him that we were talking about when Mama died and how upset I was that she, you know, left me. And Anna explains how after Sarah came, Anna felt she could finally forgive Mama for passing away. That is one thing I think that young children probably around Anna's age when a parent passes, maybe there is a little anger there for the parent passing and being angry like you should be here you should be here helping me get through these hard times and just like yeah, I can understand that. And I think Jacob knows where Anna is leading this conversation to Jacob's relationship or lack thereof with John and Jacob says some things can be forgiven and some can't so we see John and Sarah come out of the doctor's office and Sarah asks what Dr. Sam said and John tells her well he said there is no reason for making this trip into town I really honestly wonder how far away is town is it 20 minutes is it an hour I mean they are going by a horse they don't have a car yet they only have a vehicle so I'm just kind of wondering I mean is it they make it like a trip to town is something like if we want anything from town let's get it so that it's, it's still winter too so it's like we don't know when the next storm's gonna hit let's like get some supplies let's get stocked up on stuff anything that needs to be done in town let's get it done let's get back to the house kind of thing so I'm guessing honestly I think a ride to town's gotta be I'm gonna go and say under an hour maybe John says, there's nothing wrong with me that these pills can't cure. Well, that's only part of it, though. You gotta put in the work, like I said. And even John's, you know, you know, even Dr. Sam said, it's like, I will, you know, before John's like, no, I don't want you telling them anything. Well, Sarah already knows about the pills anyway, but she doesn't know what they're for. But... You gotta be willing to make changes, especially when Dr. Sam was saying you probably need to change your diet, maybe less meats, less salt, stuff like that. So many things can put a strain on someone's body. Hard work and, you know, like really like uh, hard on your body. Or also, you know, foods. Foods also, another thing can really affect your body and I'm not a doctor I'm just going based on what you know I'm I'm seeing here and I think it's not so much the food I think it's just the fact that he is John's been you know he's a hard worker he does what he has to do and maybe he does push his body past the limit and Sarah's like well what are they supposed to help cure and John's like oh well nothing serious and he's like can we be going back now it's like enough with the questions of course, you didn't say that's patient-doctor-privileged information. I don't want to break the HIPAA law or something like that. I mean, it's not like John is, I mean, he is a stranger to them in a way, but he's also related to them. So it's like, how much information should they feel that they are entitled to being he is a relative? 
Oh, yep, they're off to the house. Sarah says, telephone us if there's any word from Justin. I gotta say, I honestly think that it is below 40 degrees. I really think so, because they are really, everyone is really heavily bundled. Sarah's got a blanket, you know, spread over her lap. It's like, yeah, you wanna, you gotta stay warm. So it's nighttime, and clearly, pfft, you keep hanging the, hearing a banging of a door, so I don't know if it's like the door that goes to the outside of their house. I mean, I thought at first, like, is it the barn door? But no, it's making that, it's making, well, the barn door is more heavier and, and stuff, because you want to keep that air out and keep the barn all nice and toasty warm for the animals. So, and Sarah's just going like, oh, this wind is not letting up. What is going on? And I'm just thinking, doesn't Maine have a lot of wind too? Because you are by the the water. So you think that would be rain, wind, hurricane-ish weather. But here it's like, isn't Kansas is mainly like all flatland a lot of it, right? So it's like there's nothing to really keep the wind down. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going based on my assumptions. There's, I mean, I think, honestly, Kansas, Nebraska, they're all, like, flatland states, right? Where there's, like, not a lot of, like, especially these fields. And This house is not protected by a whole bunch of trees to kind of, you know, batten the wind, like, keep it, like, I don't know. So, yeah, we got the family in the living room. Or is this the family room? I don't know. Um, Caleb is sitting in a chair. We got uh, John on the couch. Cassie, of course, is sitting next to him. Jacob's sitting at the kitchen table as far away from John as he can get. And Sarah says, you know, it's, it's liable to be a pretty cold Easter. And Anna, or Anna, excuse me, Cassie says, yeah, we have a big ham for Easter. And John, of course, makes a point like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be here that long. Okay. <laughs> of course, Caleb is still writing in that, what is he? He might be working on schoolwork because he says, well, you can't go. You just got here. And John says, well, I can leave when I want, Caleb. And Sarah adds, you know, Caleb, John has his own life. And Caleb is adamant. He's like, yeah, but he's part of our life, too. And John tells him, your life is your own, Caleb. I don't belong here. And Cassie, of course, says, I belong here. I was born here. And Mama and Papa named me Cassie. Because that was my grandmother's name. Oh, this is going to open a box of worms. Because now we're talking about Jacob's mother, John's wife. And John, it kind of sets it off by her mentioning her grandmother. And then John says, I bet your mother, what your grandmother really would have liked that you be named after her. And Jacob jumps in with, are you really in a position to say what mama would or wouldn't have liked? <coughs> I'm just going to play this because this gets heated very, very fast.
This wind goes on and on. It's likely to be a cold Easter this year. We have a big ham for Easter. Yeah, I, I don't know I'll be here that long. You can't go. You just got here. Well, I can leave when I want, Caleb. Caleb, John has his own life. But he's part of our life, too. Your life is your own, Caleb. I don't belong here. I do. I was born here, and Mama and Papa named me Cassie, because that was my grandmother's name. Your grandfather knows that, Cassie. Your grandmother would have liked that you had her name. You sure you're in a position to talk about what Mama would have liked? She was my wife. Till you left her. Jacob. Stay out of this, Sarah, please. This is between us. Better it stays that way. No. The children have a right to know what kind of man you are. Don't do this. Not now. Then when? I've opened my home to him. I've been polite and respectful. When is the right time to tell this man what I think of what he did? Stop it. I will not allow you to air this in front of the children. You're frightening them. Sarah is right. I'm going for a walk. That's right. Leave. That's what you're good at. Let him go, Jacob. Don't go after him in anger. He's not walking away this time. And I will not have you taking his side. I'm not taking his side. I'm taking our family's side. Going to. No, 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 no. This is between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, whoa, this escalated fast. Jacob is, he is, this has been bottling, it's like everything that he has held inside for so, so long that he's finally, it's just blew the top off it you know and jacob actually he gets up from a seat at the kitchen table goes into the family room or living room whatever you want to call it and he he says are are you sure you're in a position to talk about what mama would have liked and john says well she was my wife and jacob tells him yeah until you left her and Sarah's like, Jacob, do you really need to do this right now? And Jacob turns to Sarah and says, Sarah, you need to stay out of this. Just stay out of it. And John sets his newspaper down and says, well, it's between us. I think it's best that it stays that way. And Jacob is at him. He's like, no, I feel the children have a right to know what kind of man their grandfather is. And Sarah's like, you're not doing this here. I'm not going to have you act like start up start this up in front of the kids because you're scaring them especially cassie cassie like gets up off the couch she goes right over to sarah <laughs> yeah seriously don't do this not now and jacob oh my gosh he gets so he's like when i've opened my home to him when is the right time to tell that man what i think about him and what for what he did 
And I agree with Sarah. You know, this is not the place you got Cassie there. You're freaking her out. Caleb is just kind of, you know, he's sitting there kind of watching this tennis match between John and Jacob. Just going back here for a second, as Jacob says, I've been polite and respectful. Have you? I mean, I remember him saying, has Sarah made you comfortable and everything like that, but he's pretty much been just avoiding John when he can, whether it's out in the barn working on things or... Mm. But John is like, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. And he go as soon as he reaches the door to leave the house... Jacob says, yeah, why don't you leave? That's what you're good at. And John leaves and Jacob grabs his jacket and Sarah's like, don't go after him in anger. Jacob, no, he wants to get this out. He's been bottling this for like 30 plus years. So as soon as Jacob leaves, Caleb gets up to go like, I'm going after them. And Sarah stops it. No, you need to let them work this out. Because this is between your father and your grandfather. So, John is in the barn. And now Jacob is going to confront him. And just a fair warning, there is a little accident here. Jacob ends up getting hurt. John pushes him in anger. Jacob falls back on a piece of farm equipment and he ends up breaking his leg. Caleb is a fine boy. He's, he's taking good care of my friend here. You raised him well. Fathers do that for their children. I don't want to fight with you. I only wanted to see you to... to see what happened to you. I'll tell you what happened. You went away. And Mama was never the same. She came to hate this place. That began long before I left. I didn't leave. Your mother drove me away. That's a lie. She always blamed me for this life. It was more than she bargained for. The cold, the wind, the, the poverty. They wore her down and she blamed me for it all. She hated the farm. She hated me for tying her to it. I think you were the only person she loved. She told me you'd both be better off without me. I believe she said that. That's not true. You're just like her. Your mother had no forgiveness in her either. Yeah. You're a liar. No one calls me that. Not even you. So Jacob comes into the barn and John is, you know, staring at his horse and just saying how what a good boy Caleb is. He's taking care of my horse. And he tells Jacob he raised him well. Well, John knows what's coming. He knows why Jacob came out to the barn to basically have it out with him. And Jacob right away starts in with a dig like, yeah, that's what happens when a father sticks around to raise his kid. 
He says, fathers do that for their children. And John flat out says, because he's not even looking at Jacob. He's still, you know, looking at his horse. And John says, I don't want to fight with you. I just came to see how you turned out, basically. And Jacob starts in with, well, I'll tell you what happened when you left. Mama was never the same. Jacob says she came to hate this place, this farm. And John reveals that that started long ago. That was before Jacob was even born. That she hated the cold and the wind and just everything about it. The land just... And John says, and she hated me for tying her to it. The thing is, that's what I don't understand because in Skylark... We get a very different view of this as far as we know that his father, you know, he thought his father died. And he said that he and his siblings had to take care of things and how much they dreamed of, you know, wanting land and, you know, a farm and just all the things they're going to do and the money they're going to raise. And we don't get any of that here as far as any other siblings that he had. John doesn't talk about any of the other kids he might have had with his wife. And, you know, whether or not he went to visit them or anything like that. But then again, in 1993, when Skylark came out. I mean, it was six years later when this movie came out. So I don't know between the time that Skylark came out and the time that this one, because it was all the same director for all three movies. So I'm wondering if maybe... I'm, I'm going to look up and find out when Caleb's story was actually published. Because like I said, the third movie came out in 1999. So Caleb's story had to be... Sometime in the 90s, between 1991 and 1997 or 98. Okay, so I went to Wikipedia for Patricia McLaughlin, who put, you know, the Sarah Plain and Tall trilogy, the author of the Sarah Plain and Tall trilogy. So Sarah Plain and Tall looks like it came out in 1985. Skylark would have been... In no, that doesn't make sense. Hold on a second, sums up here. Hold on, hold on. I had it a second ago. Yeah, I'm getting this is just so conflicting. So, Skylark it says it was published in '94, but the movie came out in '93, and Caleb's story was published in 2001, but the movie came out in 1999. So, I think those dates are 100% wrong, they are 100% wrong. So, and going back to the movie here, it feels like probably to Jacob that John is blaming his wife. Like, oh no, she didn't want to, you know, be on the farm. She hated it. And I didn't leave your mother. She drove me away. And we don't know. Us, the viewers, we have no idea. We have what Jacob believed from what his mother told him to his father just dying. More likely, maybe she was very angry that he left and she just wrote him off like it's easier this way just to say that he passed on. 
And then we have John's truth, which, whether it's the truth, whether it's not, we don't know. But it does almost sound like he's kind of saying, well, I'm not to blame. I didn't leave. Your mother told me to go. And Jacob is like, no, that's not true. And he calls John a liar. John gets angry and says, nobody calls that calls me that, not even you. And he, you see in the film, he doesn't even touch Jacob. But Jacob, in his surprise, falls backwards, lands on some farm equipment, ends up breaking his leg, and... I cut that scene out. Like, I'm, I'm not putting that audio in there. No, that's... Mm. So, John, of course, goes to the barn door, screams for Caleb to come out to the barn, and Caleb, of course, he gets out there, he's like, what happened? And, of course, Jacob's just going to say, well, I fell. I just fell. So, they got to get him into the house, and, of course... He's also got a scrape on his leg. It's like, we need to get Dr. Sam here. Granted, they do have a telephone, but with this, it seems like there's an impending storm that's going to be happening soon. So, but no, that needs to be taken care of, like, ASAP. So, I like that John really takes con control here as he and Caleb help, and Sarah all help John up to the bed, or help Jacob onto the bed, because he can't walk. So immediately, Sarah tells Caleb, go call Dr. Sam, let's get him out here. And Sarah wants to know how Jacob cut himself, well clearly on farm equipment, when he fell. And Cassie is like, Papa, Papa. And Jacob's trying, trying to reassure her, Sarah goes immediately into doctor mode and very quickly Caleb comes back up and says the phone's not working. Well, odds are it's probably because of the storm and the wind. It's going to knock the power out. It's going to, you know, knock out phone lines. So John says, I can do it, you know, referring to Jacob's broken leg. Sarah says, you've done enough. If you want to help, go for the doctor. And John says, that would take too long. His leg has got to be set. As in, they got to put it back into position. And apparently John's done this before, probably for someone else. He says that leg has got to be set. Now we could stand around here arguing about it, or I can give your husband the help he needs. Like, it's up to you. Sarah looks to Jacob, and Jacob's like, yeah, let's, let's do that. So John immediately starts giving orders as Sarah's like, okay, what do you want me to do? So John has her get some strips of cloth. Caleb, I need you to go find some sticks the length of your papa's leg because clearly they're going to want to try to make kind of like a cast, something to keep his leg from bending. So Cassie, of course, still you know, hanging on to Jacob is asking, will this hurt him? And John, you know, he's being honest, like, yes, it will, but it can't be helped. And Sarah says, we have whiskey. John says, okay, you need to get that. Clearly, yes, it's like you want to numb him up enough 
or you want to make it so his senses are a little dulled so that way when John has to go set his leg, hopefully it's not going to be extremely excruciatingly agonizing. I mean, it will, but, you know, like like John Tolkien, this can't be helped, but let's see if we can get something that's going to uh, not make him, you know, give him enough whiskey to kind of dull his senses just a smidge. Okay, kid, I know she's only six, but you can see your father's in pain. Why are you trying to jump? Because... Jacob's like sitting up in bed and his legs are, you know, he can't move his, his leg. It's anyway. And Cassie jumps up on the bed. It's like, Cassie. And John is like, okay, Cassie, you can't be doing that. Your dad's in, your, your papa's in a lot of pain. What I need you to do, remember your favorite game, hide and seek? I need you to go hide and I will find you. She's like, are you sure you'll find me? And he says, yes. Now go. And he starts counting fast again. And Jacob's like, no, slowly, slowly. <clears throat> so, yeah, before he suggests playing hide and seek, well, Cassie says, I want to stay with Papa. And I like what John says here. You know, by the time I find you, your Papa's going to be all better. And she says, are you sure? Will you find me this time? Because he had Caleb, you know, go look for her the last time. He says, yes, I'll go. So Caleb comes back with the long poles, sticks, the length of Jacob's leg. And John's like, all right, Caleb, one more thing. I want you to go downstairs and find Cassie and stay with her. And John says, well, Caleb's like, but can I stay with you? And John says, no. I was like, no, he's going to have to do something to his, he's going to have to straighten it. And, um, you're going to want to stay with your sister because she's going to hear that scream and, uh, yeah. Yeah, take a couple cupfuls of that whiskey. So, yeah, hopefully that works fast. So, John tells Sarah, Sarah, I want you to do what I say, No, do what I say no matter what I ask. You're going to have to hold him down. Because I have to straighten his leg. And he can't have, you know, Papa, like, you know, moving and trying to get away. It's like, no, he needs to be still when this happens. John apologizes to Jacob right before he says, I'm sorry, Jacob. I'm truly sorry. And I don't think it's just, like, about the part, like, you're going to be in a lot of pain in a minute. But I can't help that. <laughs> but also the fact of, because of what happened, he kind of... You know, caused this by, you know, going, you know, he was going to grab Jacob. Like, dude, this is your kid. I mean, I know he's saying stuff you don't want to hear or, or whatever, calling you a liar and whatnot, but you don't <sighs> grab at him. Like, but anyway, it's like, yeah, he is apologizing for, you know, this is my fault that you're in this position now. So Caleb's downstairs and he finds Cassie under an Afghan blanket with a pillow over her head. He's like, I see you. So she says, shh, I'm waiting for Grandpa. And immediately you hear that scream upstairs from Jacob. Like, and she sits in Caleb's lap like, oh. Okay, so Sarah asks John afterwards where he learned to set a leg like that. And John says, in the Spanish War in Cuba. Let me find out when that took place. 
So the Spanish-Cuba War says Cuban War of Independence from 1895 to 1898. So are we to believe that when John left and everything and then he wound up going going to war then I'm guessing during the time that he's been because it's been over 30 plus years since he's since Jacob last saw him that's gonna be my guess that's what happened apparently they needed medics and John didn't really know much about it at the time but luckily he was a fast learner and John tells Sarah I brought a lot of pain to this house you know but all I wanted to do was know my family I love what Sarah says here as she looks at him and says, but you haven't tried to know us and we know nothing about you, which she's 100% right. It's like you came to know us, but we don't know anything about you and you didn't try to get to know because he was basically a closed book when they're asking questions and stuff. He was like, like, no, don't ask me. My life is my own business and stuff. So Sarah explains to John how she and Jacob got together. She says, I met Jacob a little over almost nine years ago. She explains how Jacob's first wife, Catherine, died giving birth to Caleb. If you think about it, yeah, Sarah is the only mother that Caleb knows. And John's, oh, I thought you were in. Sarah says, no, no. Anna and Caleb were hers. And Sarah explains that Jacob loved her dearly. In fact, she painted that picture over there. You see, remember the picture with the bird? Yeah. And Sarah grabs this wooden box that I think holds all the letters that she and Jacob and the kids exchanged when they first started writing letters and getting to know each other. And she explains to John that Jacob did the best he could by his children after his wife passed away. And Sarah says, your son put this ad in the paper and he, it found its way to Maine. She reads it to him. She reads, wanted a kind woman to share her life with a widower and his two children to make a difference. And he takes the newspaper clipping, the advertisement from her, and he says, you came all the way from Maine? And she's like, yes, yes, I came all the way from Maine. And Sarah asks, and you? And this is where John starts to open up. We do learn more about his wife and Jacob's mother. And he explains how his wife Cassie was the only child of a Wichita merchant. And John says she was the most beautiful woman I had ever laid eyes on. And... Sarah says, so I've heard from the people that knew her. Yeah, because there probably have been people that have been in that town long enough that would remember Jacob's mother. And John tells her, you know, Cassie said she loved me, but she had no love for this land. And this makes me think so much of Skylark. When they're going through that drought, when, J when Sarah was telling Maggie, you know, their neighbors that eventually moved away, but in the books they came back. She said, I hate this land. No, I don't have to love it like Jacob does. He gives it everything and it gives him nothing in return. And John says that's what tore him and Cassie apart, his wife. Because she 
hated that land and she hated that he tied her to that. And that just, I mean, that makes me think about me and what's kind of going on with me right now in my headspace with being here in Texas. I don't hate being here. I lived my whole entire life, all 38 years in Michigan. And I packed up and moved myself and my life to support what my husband wanted. He wanted to come out here. Granted, yes, he did want to get away from the snow. And I am just trying so hard to find myself, find something that's going to make this feel like home. And I've been here six months now, and it just... And with us being displaced right now, you know, being in this hotel while our apartment's being fixed up, I've just been... I've been really depressed and sad and I can I cannot ever remember feeling like this ever since I've been with Jeremy. And we've been together for what this will be 18 years now. We've been married for almost 14. I've never felt this way before. But then again, I've never done something where I've picked up and, and moved my entire life to start all over again and you know Jeremy is the only family I have here and I talked to my sister and she just she could tell you know and yes I'll get back to the movie but this is just bringing up a lot of this for me she could tell that I'm feeling lost right now and that right now I think maybe I need to see another familiar face, like another family member. So my sister is going to, you know, she suggested we go on a trip together. You know, see a little bit of Texas and kind of see what's out there. And just spend a little time together. And I, I think that will definitely help me. I mean, those of you that, you know, I, I, I watch, you know, YouTube videos of people that pick up and they move to Texas whether or not they have family or not and I just see some of the videos too of people going through similar like what I'm going through that homesickness that that desire to just go back to what you know and what you're familiar with and that's the thing, honestly, I mean, you think, you know, your spouse would be enough to help you get through it. And it's like, no, sometimes you need more than that. I just, I know one day that it's going to hit. I'm going to finally find my niche. I'm going to find something that makes us feel like home. I'm going to finally feel like I don't want to run back to Michigan. And I'm longing for that day. I really, really am. I know there's people out there that have been in this similar situation that have moved to a whole other place and they have no family, no friends whatsoever, that they've taken a giant leap. And I know there are people that also most likely have struggled with that homesickness, even six months to a year after their move. I know that there are people that are going through this. And it's nice to feel in my heart that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that's struggling with something like this so but all right back to the movie and sarah said, i love what she says here she says they say that love is enough but when the hard times come and the money runs out 
the drought seemed never ending. She's talking about, you know, she when in Skylark when she and Jacob had only been married for about a, a year or two. And just them hitting, being hit hard with that. And she says, and when the bitter cold was even more than you thought you could bear. He tells John, seems to me that you need something more. More resilience. And she says, you know, you need trust. To believe that those that you love will be strong enough to want to stay. Sarah says, and to be there when you need them. And John says, and when the trust is broken, Sarah says, you can't set it as easily as a man's leg. So I'm just now picking up, picking up on this. He took her, his wife, Cassie, to a place she had, you know, it was still in Kansas, but she, he took her to a farm. They had a son. And she just, she could not stand it. Just the, the land, just everything that it represented. And in a way that, you know, maybe, you know, she drove him away. Maybe she didn't. But the fact that he took her and put her in this position and then just all of a sudden just up and left. Yeah. If, hypothetically, I mean, I know Jeremy would never do this, but it's like, if that happened to me, I'm not staying here. No, I said, I'm going back home to Michigan. In a way, at that point, what is there to stay for other than a life that you've built? Where did you learn to set a leg like that? Oh, in Cuba, the Spanish War. They needed medics. I didn't know a thing about it, but I learned fast. I brought a lot of pain to this house. And all I wanted was to know my family. But you haven't tried to know us. And we know nothing about you. <laughs> I met Jacob just over nine years ago. His first wife, Catherine, died giving birth to Caleb. Oh, I thought you were. No, Anna and Caleb were hers. Jacob loved her dearly. She painted that picture. He loved his children, too. And he did what he thought was best for them. Your son put this ad in the paper and it found its way to Maine. Needed. A kind woman to share a life with a widower and his two children to make a difference. You came all the way from Maine? Yeah. All the way from Maine. And you. Well, my wife was the only child of a, a Wichita merchant. She's the most beautiful woman I, I ever laid eyes on. 
So I've heard from those who knew her. Cassie said she loved me, but she had no love for this land. So it tore us apart. They say love's enough, but I'm not so sure. When the hard times come, when the money runs out, and the droughts seem never-ending, and the bitter cold is more than you ever thought you could bear, seems to me you need something more. Resilience. And trust that those you care about will be strong enough to stay, to be there when you need them. And once the trust is broken, you can't set it as easily as you can a man's leg. talking about trust John gets up he goes over to where Cassie is hiding because you know he didn't find her the first time he's like no I want to I, I told her I was gonna find her and I don't want her to you know doubt me or anything it's like yeah that trust it's like let's start with something simple go find Cassie she's so he picked up the pillow she clearly had fallen asleep said I found you and she just looked at him and smiled so like, oh okay so now here looks like we are getting quite a bit of snow as we see Caleb outside with the guide rope and he's actually putting the guide rope excuse me the guide rope back up which makes sense because there's a bit of snow falling quite a bit it's not a light dusting it is like flakes of snow falling and even though it's like you know end of March and definitely in like Michigan you know that winter is not a hundred percent over that they're still in April could be a snowstorm and I've had it happen twice where there was an ice storm back in 2000 when I was still in high school during spring break there was an ice storm well maybe not a nice storm well it didn't have to power out um, <laughs> But there was also one in 2003. I remember that because Jeremy and I hadn't started dating yet. We hadn't even really started talking yet. And the store was closed, I remember. And people were just, you know, returning videos. And we all had to sit there and, like, wait for people to drop off movies and rewind them and whatnot. Even though the power's out. But we sat there and we were playing Trivial Pursuit. And I just remember... Jeremy sitting down next to me and we talked about this later on after we started dating and I used to he he says that wasn't an accident that wasn't a coincidence like he purposely sat next to me like oh I thought that was so sweet so Sarah's upstairs with Jacob who is resting it looks like he has got a fever and she's trying to help him with the washcloth keep his fever down 
and odds are that more likely they are going to have to go for Dr. Sam if they can. Because John goes to check and asks, you know, is he doing better? And Sarah's like, no, his fever, he's warmer today than he was yesterday. Sarah says the telephone line is still down. Okay, so they're still without a telephone. And she says, we need Sam here. And John quickly leaves the room. I think more than likely he is going to try to go for Sam. Now, they, of course, I said, they don't have a vehicle. They just have a horse. So so Sarah comes out as John's putting on his coat. And she says, tell me the truth. Are you well enough to do this? You know, basically ride out to get Dr. Sam. And John tells her, I'm well enough to do what needs doing. So Sarah's like, well, let me pack you something to eat. Because definitely it's like everyone's, you know, bundled up. It's cold out there. You're going to want to sustenance something to warm you up. So Caleb kind of volunteers himself like, I'll go too since I know the way. And Sarah's like, okay, good. But John's like, no, 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 no. Because she even says take the wagon. And John says, no, I may not be back tonight. Or... Or at least until tomorrow. And more than likely, yeah, Caleb, your father, he's kind of stuck in bed right now. So you're going to have to be the one to take care of things there. Yeah, John suggests that Caleb stays, even though Caleb says, I want to go. And Sarah's like, no, John is right. You need to stay. If I need your help with your papa, you're not going to do me any good if you're in town. So before John leaves, he tells... Caleb, now you take care of your family no matter what. So after John leaves, Caleb goes over to Sarah and tells her, I should have gone. And Sarah's like, you think so? And Caleb says, well, because he may not be back. He leaves, Papa says. Sarah tells Caleb, that was a long time ago. He promises that he will, he'll be back. Don't worry. So John rides into town. Anna answers the door and John tells Dr. Sam that sir, Jacob broke his leg and he's got a fever. You need to come check on him. And John also says that Jacob cut himself when he fell and his fever is not going down. She even said, because when John asked, like, did you check, you know, change the dressing? And Sarah says, yes, but I don't like how it looks. So yeah, the idea that uh, a possible infection could be taking place, so they need to get out there and get the doctor out there, get something in him to help fight that. And Sam, Dr. Sam asks, Anna, do you want to come with? And she says, I'd like to, but they'll need me here because they still have patients there. And luckily Mrs. Simmons isn't too far, so if Anna gets kind of backed up with patients and work and stuff, Mrs. Simmons can just come over and lend a hand. Anna says, tell Papa I love him. And John's like, oh, he knows, but I'll tell him. John suggests, like, hey, let's put your horse in the barn. We're going to take my car. But yeah, we go to the vehicle. Uh, Dr. Sam's driving, saying how it's perfectly safe. Ford knew what he was doing when he made this car. And I'm guessing there's no heat. I want to find out when heat was installed in vehicles. Yeah, it says, okay, uh, the history of car heaters in the late 1940s, early 1950s, car makers, car makers began using outside air for climate control before the heater core warmed up whatever air was under the hood. 
Okay. Oh, what's a car, car seat heater? Invent GM introduced a car seat heater in 1939. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Let's see. Interesting. I want to learn when um when cars got air conditioning. Cars got air conditioning. Oh, good enough. Okay. Oh, um, let's see. A company in New York City in the United States first offered installation of air conditioning for cars in 1933. Most of their customers operated limousines and luxury cars. Okay. But if this is like 1918, that's gonna be at least another 21 years before that happens. Oh, God. Then John and Dr. Sam start talking about what have been like John's like, oh, it would have been better if we took the horse, we would have been warmer. And then there's something about how, oh yeah, if we had put the horse in the car or something like that. Dr. Sam is really talking up this car. He's like, There's no piece there's nowhere this piece of machinery can't go. It was built to last. John argues, but it's not built for <laughs> this <laughs> for comfort. It's cold in here. A live horse would have been warmer. <laughs> John says next time we'll put the horse in the automobile. So John is now drinking coffee downstairs. We got Dr. Sam and Sarah have come down. Dr. Sam says you did a really good job on Jacob's leg. And, you know, Sarah says you learned that during the war as a medic. We started talking about uh, Sam's son, Justin, you know, Anna's boyfriend. And how he's doing. Have you heard anything? And Sam's like, no, I haven't really heard anything yet. But I just keep telling myself no news is good news. Even though that's a little bit of comfort to me. Sam tells Sarah, I need Jacob to stay off his leg at least a month. So clearly, no, someone's going to do that farming while Jacob's laid up. And Caleb can only do so much. I mean, if he's still in school and stuff, too. Sarah talks about possibly hiring someone to help, you know, with the stock to take care of and getting ready for spring planting. Just a lot of stuff coming up. And she also mentions damage from the storms. You know, Caleb can't keep up with it and do his schooling, too. So Sarah gets up and I'm guessing she's getting more coffee or something. And we see Caleb on the steps listening as Dr. Sam tells John because John's like I can do the work and Sam tells John you can't do the work that this farm requires it will kill you and this is a shock to Caleb and John tells Sam I owe it to them and Sam's like yeah so you work the farm you die from working on the farm and somehow it erases it's almost like he's saying you're doing this to absolve yourself of the guilt of you up and leaving Jacob when he was no that's not how that, that no that that doesn't uh, doesn't count that's not how that works so John goes upstairs to check on Jacob Dr. Sam gave him something to help with the pain which really eh, probably hasn't really taken effect yet and Jacob says thank you to John and John's like for what for helping set your leg or helping you break it in the first place. So as 
Sarah comes in with medication for Jacob. John excuses himself to go look at the west fence. I think this is where Caleb and he are going to have a conversation. So as much as Jacob wants to get out of that bed and start working, it's like, no, 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 no. Your job is to lay in that bed and heal up and rest. Caleb's doing what he can. John is doing what he can. The farm is being managed. So we also hear Sarah say that in her talks with John, she's learned that Yes, he worked on a cattle ranch or herding cattle or something in Wyoming. So basically farming is all John knows. And before Sarah leaves, she says he's the only father you, you've you ever known. The question is, what are you going to do with that? Like That's a fact. He's the only father you'll ever have. So we're outside by the fence. John is just looking at everything and telling Caleb how... You know, I never thought I'd be able to come back to this farm and see it. And he says how he planted some walnut trees. And Caleb tells John, well, we had a drought and the fire took the barn, but it, and it also took those walnut trees with it when it, the fire happened. And Caleb says, that's the summer we went to Maine, Sarah's house. And Caleb says, except for Papa. And John's like, oh, he stayed here with the land? <laughs> he didn't give up on it. And it, John's kind of chuckling. Like, that is just like, Jacob is just like John. That sense, like, how much that land means to them. I like the scene with Caleb and John. As John says, you know, farming is hard. And Caleb asks him, is that why you went away? And... John says, well, that's part of it. And then Caleb's like, and then you got lost, right? And John tells him, well, that's the way you basically heard how it happened. But that's not the whole story. So John says, I wasn't lost. And Caleb's like, well, maybe you didn't know you were lost. And John starts in with, you know, I know you want to like me, Caleb, because I'm your grandfather. And says, but there's no way that you could possibly like what I did. And Caleb says, people can change. See, I mean, Caleb knows this about John, that he left and everything like that, but he still loves his grandfather anyway because that's his grandfather. And John says, yeah, people change, but not before they hurt the people that they care about the most. And Caleb's like, you mean Papa, but Papa can change too. John says, I like you, Caleb. And I love Caleb here as he says, I love you, Grandfather. Oh, my heart just melts with this kid. He's just, oh, he's such a great, great kid. What are you looking at? Oh, everything. The farm. You know, there was a time I thought I'd, I'd, I'd never see this, this place again. Was it like this when you lived here? Oh, part of it. I planted a stand of walnut trees out there. We had a drought, and the barn burned down. Took the trees with it. That's the summer we went to Maine, to Sarah's house, except for Papa. Oh, he stayed here with the land. He, he never gave up on it. It's hard, farming. Is that why you went away? Part of it, maybe. 
then you got lost. I know that's the way you want it, but that's not the way it was. I wasn't lost. Maybe you didn't know you were lost. I know it isn't easy for you, Caleb. You want to like me and be a grandfather. But there's no way that you can possibly like what I did. People can change. Yes, but sometimes not before they hurt the people that they care most about. You mean Papa? Papa can change too. I like you, Caleb. I love you, Grandfather. Now we head over to Dr. Sam's office. It looks like what snow there was has melted. Well, I mean, unless they didn't get snow in town. And Dr. Sam is talking to Anna, saying she's going to go out to... Or saying that he's going to go out and visit Jacob and the family. And he's telling Anna that she looks tired, you know, from tending all the patients. And she says, well, I don't complain. I'm not complaining. And he's like, yeah, you never do, but you need to rest. And he says, doctor's orders. It's like, yeah, in order to help others, you, you gotta take care of yourself, too, to be able to take care of others. So we do see one patient that Anna is helping who's kind of chilly, you know, the, her bed's by the window. And uh, Anna just kind of pulls the, the blanket up, you know, just under her chin so that way she's getting warmer. It looks like Dr. Sam has received, I don't know whether it's a telegram or a letter about Justin. And he looks at Anna and says, it's a telegram from the War Department. And immediately Anna thinks the worst. So she thinks the worst. Dr. Sam puts an arm around her and she's like, what, what does it say? And he says, well, Sam's... Sam says Justin's been wounded and she she has to sit down on the steps for a minute because if she doesn't sit down she's gonna fall down and he tells her he is injured but that means they're sending him home and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys a heads up though injury is not bad it's a broken arm I mean that's bad but it it's not worse than that is what I'm saying so, yeah, he does say that Justin is being sent to a hospital in the States, and Anna's like, can we go to him? Can we see him? And Dr. Sam says, they say details to follow, so they'll let them know once they get Sam situated. I've seen Sam. Justin, when they get Justin situated, they will give an update. So, Sam suggests that Anna let him take her home to her parents. But Anna is adamant. She says, no, let me stay here. I want to be here when the details to follow come in. I gotta say, Dr. Sam, he is a very, he is a very brave man. You know, he's keeping a brave face for Anna. He goes into his office and he sits down, takes off his glasses, puts his head on his arms, and he... He weeps, you know? I mean, yes, he doesn't know the extent of his son's injuries at this point. He has no idea. 
All he knows is that his son has been injured, and then at least he's away from the fighting. He's away from the war. He's not going to go back. So, okay. So Sam has brought a crutch for Jacob, or crutches, or is it just one crutch? It looks like just one. Okay, it's just, it's two crutches, okay. And of course Dr. Sam is like, don't overdo it, you don't want to set yourself back, the crutches are for only when you need them. And it looks like Sarah is getting things, she's getting dinner ready, she make, looks like maybe potato soup. She's um, cutting up some potatoes. I love how Sarah says, well, there you are. A little worse for wear, but still as handsome as ever. <laughs> Aww. So... Sarah invites Sam to stay for supper because she made his favorite bread and she's got a chicken in the oven and Dr. Sam says, look, sorry, I gotta pass. Mrs. Parkley says there's a big storm on the way and she's never been wrong. Okay, so this is the big storm. Gotcha. Okay. This is good. Like I said, it's been quite a while since I watched this, so I'm familiar with the things that happen, just the order of how they happen. It's like, okay, wait, this happens after. Okay, gotcha. So it does look now with the impending storm, because you do see the snow falling down and blowing with the wind. Everyone is jumping into action. We have Cassie feeding the animals. Caleb and John are both leading the animals into the barn to get them out of the, out of the storm and get them sheltered and staying warm. Of course, we see Jacob at the window looking out and probably wanting to get out there and help. It's like, you need to stay inside where you're safe and not injure yourself further. So, ja oh my god, Jacob is literally like pacing like a, on those crutches like a, a cat in a cage. Uh, you know, um, a caged animal and I just, uh, He's like, we're going to need more wood, and Matilda's about to fall, you know, their horse is about to have a baby, I should be out there. It's like, no, 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 you are doctor's orders, you're supposed to stay inside. John and Caleb are handling it. <laughs> yeah, Sarah took the words right out of my mouth. She's like, well, Anna, I guess, did, because she's like, well, Anna said you'd be like a caged animal on those crutches. So, Jacob starts, <clears throat> excuse me saying how he's just thinking about, you know, when he was Caleb and Cassie's around that time, how everything seemed so easy. You know, you went to school, you came home, you worked. And Jacob says, you know, and then John left and things changed. It just, it wasn't the same as it was before. Which that most likely meant Jacob wasn't a casual, you get home from school, you do your chores as you want to call them no he full-on took the responsibility onto that farm probably you know for all we know his mother maybe she fell into a depression she was angry she was upset and jacob bared the load on his shoulders of that entire farm just making sure it was running making sure things got done and everything that is a lot for anyone to handle let alone a like 10 year old boy depending on how old he was when he had to take start taking responsibility for the farm on his own so jacob says he basically dropped out of school because he couldn't go to school and work the farm it's like that was a and you know what 
15, 16, 20 hour day. Like he had to have the entire day to work on the farm. You don't just go to school, come home and work for five hours. Like, no, the farm needs more than that to be able to run properly. At first, Sarah's like, well, your mother pulled you out of school. And he's like, no, I dropped out. You know, my mom needed me. Speaking of Jacob quitting and running the farm, now it's after dinner. Caleb is working on his schoolwork. And he's like, I am just tired of the schoolwork. I would, maybe I should quit and run the farm like Papa did. Now, I'm going to give you a little tidbit of one of the books, and I'm going to do separate podcasts on these two books so you'll learn about where the Whitting family is after Winter's End slash Caleb's story ends. Caleb, I believe, is in college in the last book called Grandfather's Dance. So, yeah, he, and uh, another mini-spoiler, remember those girls of uh, Maggie and Matthews, Violet and Rose? Caleb is dating one of them. I I can't remember which one. It might have been Rose or it might have been Violet. I can't remember. But, yeah, it's just like, oh, it's like, oh, I'm so excited to cover those. Because I thought they're, and the thing about those books, Sarah Plain and Tall is like maybe... 50 pages long. It's not a big... None of those books are huge books. None of them, I think, are even over 100 pages. I think they're like maybe like 80. But I'm not 100... Don't quote me on that because I don't know. I was reading them on my nook, so... John looks at Caleb and he's like, well, do you think that's wise? And Caleb says, well, I have friends that have dropped out already. So... John says that... He wanted to go to school, but he couldn't. More than likely, probably the same thing. He had a farm to run. And Cassie's like, oh, I bet that was fun. And John says, well, and no, it wasn't because I never learned to read or write. I'm sure along the way, at some point, he must have picked it up. Okay, so he did say he picked it up in the army enough to, you know, read enough to be able to get by. Just the basics, basically. So, Caleb asks... Did you learn enough to write letters? And John says, well, I only wrote three letters. So, yeah, I guess he needed help. When he did write these letters, he needed help with them. And unfortunately, the people that he sent the letters to never wrote back. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe he had written a letter to, you know, to Cassie, to his wife. Probably explaining what happened or his feelings and why he left. Maybe he did. I don't know. So, I, I think this was a sweet moment. Cassie, of course, we hear the bang of the door due to the wind. And she sets her doll down. She runs over to John, jumps in his lap, and just says, I'm scared. And I love how he he comforts her. He takes her in his arms, and he's just holding her like, Oh, that's just old man winter huffing and puffing. And he teaches her a song that he I guess learned when he was really young it's not Billy Boy Billy Boy it's another song which he in the books again he's singing that song to Jack the you know son the young you know the last child of uh, Jacob and Sarah and he's singing that song to him he's teaching him that song this is so sweet because Cassie is the one that brings up the song like 
do you know any songs? And he's like, mm, songs? He's like, everybody knows a song. And of course, he's like, well, there's a song that I know from, I used to sing a long time ago. And of course, he looks at Caleb, points at him and says, don't you laugh. And I love Caleb, like, putting his hands up, I promise I won't. And he starts singing to her, and it's just so sweet. And I wanna, I'm gonna play this. I'm tired of school. Maybe I should quit and work at the farm like Papa did. You think that's wise? I have friends that have left school already. Did you go to school, Grandpa? I wanted to, but, but I, I couldn't. I bet that was fun. No, it wasn't, because I never learned to read or write. Ever? Oh, I learned a little bit in the Army, enough to get by. But school would have made my life much easier. You're right enough to write letters? I only wrote three in my whole life, and I needed help with those. Did the people ever write back to you? No, Caleb. The people never wrote back, and I, I guess I can't blame them. I'm scared. Oh, now. Now it's just old man winter huffing and puffing. That's all. There's nothing that he can do to us in here. Do you know any songs? Song? Hmm? <laughs> no song. Everybody knows a song. And everybody else, maybe. Please. Oh, well, there was a song I used to sing a long time ago. Don't you laugh. I promise. <laughs> uh, sleep, my child, and peace attend thee all through the night. Guardian angels, God will send thee all through the night. Soft. The drowsy hours are creeping, ill and vale in slumber sleeping. I, my loving vigil keeping all through the night. Angels watching ever round me all in the slumbers close surrounding all through the night they should have all fears disarm thee no foreboding should alarm thee they will let no peril harm thee yeah and we see jacob kind of sitting on his bed and sarah comes over and sits next to him and puts her arm around him and he kind of you know lays his head on her shoulder and it's just for a minute it just seems like maybe 
that was a song that John sang to Jacob when Jacob was a boy. I don't know. But we get a look outside. We see the guide rope. We see it, the wind is just still really, really high. The snow is falling. It's, it's Of course, it's night, so it's dark out. We see Caleb getting dressed because the mare is about to foal. The, the horse is about to have a baby. And he's like, she could foal at any time and she's going to need me out there. Because Sarah's like, she'll be fine. Just go back to bed. And it's like, no, I need to be out there. So Sarah tells him, use the guide rope. Go check on her, but come right back. What in the world? I'm worried about Matilda in the barn. Maddie is fine going to bed. The idea of going out in the store. She's going to fall any time now. There's complications she'll need. I'll be careful, Kayla. I have to go. You'll use the rope. You'll check on her and come right back to the house. All right, I promise. Put your hat on. So, of course, Sarah's not going to go back to bed. She's going to wait up till Caleb comes back from the barn. So she sits in the chair and starts knitting. So we see outside, Caleb's got the guide rope and he's trying to get to the barn. And due to the wind and the storm and everything, the guide rope breaks or comes loose. And the force of the wind just kind of knocks Caleb back. So now we go back to the house where... Sarah has fallen asleep in the chair. Sarah wakes up due to the barn door slamming again against the frame. She looks up at the clock, sees that it's after five, and Caleb is still not back. So now she's going to take it upon herself to go out and check and see if something happened. So yeah, she's all dressed up. She's got her lantern lit. She's got the guide rope. At least that section of it anyway. And she's shouting for Caleb. Caleb, can you hear me? Caleb, where are you? And the wind is so powerful. It basically, she's standing there and all of a sudden the wind just comes and like knocks her down. Like I said, it's, it's nighttime. It's dark out. There's no light. And she's struggling with that guide rope and the wind and the snow. It's like you cannot see anything. So more than likely, even though she's probably a few feet from the house, that that's the thing. If she even that you know you can lose your way entirely and not know what direction is is what. So it's morning time. It's light out. John is pouring himself some coffee as Caleb comes in. He's like, "What are you doing up so early?" And Caleb explains that I went out in case Matilda the horse was going to foil. You know full you don't have a baby and the guide rope broke so I stayed in the barn and John's like in this blizzard and Caleb says well no the animals kept me warm so he basically bedded down in the barn with the animals to stay warm which good thinking and Caleb realized like John's making coffee like why are you making coffee isn't Sarah up yet and John's like no not yet usually I would say that Sarah is probably the first to rise because she's getting, you know, breakfast and coffee made and breakfast ready for the family. 
Now we hear Jacob calling for Sarah, and both John and Caleb look at each other like, well, wait a minute. She's not sleeping then. If she's not up getting coffee ready, then where is she? So Caleb goes in, and Jacob says, hey, can you tell Sarah to give me some of that coffee? And uh, Caleb says, well, we thought she was in here with you. It's like, well, why would he be calling for Sarah if she were in the room with him? Whatever. So, yeah, she's not in the kitchen. Caleb calls for her upstairs. We see Nickel is sleeping next to Cassie. So, Caleb's like, well, she's not in the house. And John's like, well, why would she go out? And Caleb realizes clearly she was going out to look for Caleb because he didn't come in. So he goes to grab his coat and John's like, no, 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 no. You're cold enough already. I will go out and look for her. You just stay here. Okay, so it looks like the guide rope is attached to the side of the house and then remember how Caleb had wrapped it around the tree. So that part of it is fine. But it looks like the guide rope that went from the tree to the barn door, that's what broke. Okay. So Jacob comes out on his crutches and asks Caleb, like, where are you going? And he's like, I gotta go help John find, or Grandpa find Sarah. And Jacob says, no, just let John, you know, find her. And Caleb's like, no, he can't. He'll die. Like, I heard Dr. Sam tell John if he worked too hard, it would kill him. This, of course, is news to Jacob. Okay, so both John and Caleb are looking for Sarah. They do find her. They get her out of the snow. And they take her right inside because like, we need to get her out of these clothes and we need to warm her up. She's alive. But barely. What's she doing outside? Looking for me, I think. We gotta get these wet clothes off. Caleb? We need some blankets. Round up as many as you can. And put some in the oven so they can get warm. Hurry! Don't let her sleep. Sarah, can you hear me? It's Jacob, Sarah. I'm here with you. You can't sleep now. Sleep later, not now. Caleb, get me some coffee. Can you hear me? I'm so tired. I know. You're tired, but there's things to do. Cassie needs you and Caleb. We all need you, Sarah, so you can't sleep now, you understand? Stay awake! Stay awake! Have a sip of this. No, that'll hold up. Okay, there was. I'm out of the rope. And I'm trying to be so tired. So cold. So cold. I'm tired. So I can't sleep. Yeah, stand, stand, wait. I'm out of the rope. They bring her into the house. She is limp. They get her over the couch. John says, all right, Caleb, I need you to put the blankets in the oven. Also, we need to get some warm coffee in her. Jacob, what I need you to do is you need to keep her awake. Don't let her fall asleep. And 
you know, Jacob's like, you know, Cassie needs you, I need you, and Caleb, we all need you, Sarah, so you can sleep later, okay? You can't sleep now. You need to stay awake. And he's just trying to get her, and, and she's talking about, you know, the guide rope broke and everything, and how she was, she's so cold and everything, and she thought she was, you know, near the house and, and whatnot. So now we go to the, you know, they are, you know, John gave her some coffee, so it's like we got to get that, you know, blood circulation. We need to get her warmed up. Because we don't know if she, it was about 5.30 when she went out. I'd say probably it's like maybe 7 o'clock or something like that. Because it is light out. So maybe she'd been out for even, even a couple hours in that kind of weather and that temperature. Yeah. And she was basically buried in snow. Um, we see Caleb in the next scene. He is reattaching the guide rope to the barn. Nickel, of course, is there to support him. Help him out. Follow him. Right, Quinny? Mew! <laughs> so I think Sarah's body temperature is back up to normal because she is she's laying in a chair. She's got an Afghan on her, you know, and of course the fire and everything. Getting her warm. So yeah, she's getting back to normal. Dang, John is a man of many talents. I mean, he, he was a medic in the Spanish War. He was a cook in Oregon. This guy was all over and he learned so many things. Because I think that's what woke Sarah up is that smell of, I don't know whether it's soup or what it is, but John kind of jokes like, well, I'm not the best cook in the world, but nobody died on my watch that I know of. <laughs> and Sarah sits down at the kitchen table and there's a bowl there. And John says, well, you look better. And she's like, yeah, I'm warmer too. It's like, yeah, the house didn't work its magic, got you warmed up the thing about when we had the house and everything like that and we'd be outside like shoveling snow or whatnot and we'd come into the house even for a moment and like, you could tell a difference like the house was a lot warmer i want to play this clip because this is just really interesting john of course tells sarah that she was close to, to dying out there which she probably was and Sarah mentioned something her father told her when she was young, that when you die, you go to a place that feels like home. And she always thought that when that happened, she would go back to Maine, you know, what she was familiar with. But no, it was Kansas. It was this farm. Walnut, too. <laughs> you were close to dying out there. You know, my father used to say that when you die, you go to a place that feels like home. So, I always imagined that when that happened, I would see the rugged coast of Maine, smell the salty sea air, hear my three aunts, the unclaimed treasures, calling me into supper. But the remarkable thing is that last night, it wasn't the sea I went to, but this land, this Kansas. I saw the blue sky, the wind sweeping across the summer grasses, the cattle grazing on the hill, and Jacob. And I knew this was my home. This was my heart. 
Jacob's a lucky man. Where is he? He's arrested. He was by your side for hours, and, and he had to get off that lake. I put the rope up again. This time it will hold. Let's hope that we won't need it again this year. Now, if we could just get Jacob on his feet. Then my work is done, and I can get back about my life. So Caleb comes in and lets her know, like, I put the guide rope back up. This time it's going to stay. And John mentions, you know, now that everything is okay, he can get on with his life. And Quinn, what are you doing over there? Don't break stuff. You goof. She's sitting in the window right now at the hotel. I don't know what she's playing with. So, Caleb goes upstairs to see Jacob, and he tells Jacob, the one thing I want for my birthday. And Jacob is like, well, what, your birthday's like weeks away. And what Jacob, what Caleb wants is for Jacob and John to mend their relationship. I want you and grandfather to get along. So, Jacob sits on the bed and says, yes, Caleb, what do you want? And Caleb says, I don't want tools or books or even a horse of my own. And Jacob's like, well, you've been wanting a horse of your own for the longest time. For, like, forever. Caleb says, all I want is for you to forgive grandfather so I can grow up to be like you. And with that, Caleb walks out of the room. So, now we go back to Dr. Sam's office where... Anna is reading one of Justin's old letters and he's talking about how much he thinks of her and how when he comes back that they're going to spend all their time together. He talks about wanting to walk hand in hand with her in the springtime. What he called it, uh, the flowers like the paintbrush flowers or something. And he you know, talks about how he wants to walk with her in the in the high grass meadows in the springtime, hand in hand. And it's like, that's his place. That's his, where he goes to when things are just bad over there. And it's like, go to a place that, you know, makes you, you happier. Go to that moment in your life when you were the most happiest. So yeah, they're still waiting for word from Justin as Anna comes out of the doctor's office dr sam arrives asking you oh, where are you going she's like well everyone's asleep and i was reading justin's letters and i just couldn't take it anymore and sam hugs her and it's like they're both feeling it i mean sam is a father you know about his son and anna just being worried about the love of her life so anna's worried you know why don't they know where he is why won't they tell well, it just seems like like mail was really, really slow back then. It took a while to get, you know, notice and, and stuff like that back then. So it's, Sam says, look, Anna, you've been pushing yourself too hard. I think you need to, like, take a walk and get some fresh air. Okay, um, I remember reading the book, and it came out last fall, like September. No, wasn't it? 
Anyway, uh, it's by one of my favorite historical fiction authors, Ellen Marie Wiseman. It's called The Orphan Collector, and it deals with this exact time in 1918 in Philadelphia with the Spanish influenza that came on. And they, the kids were singing that song about the bird, about how they opened up the window and the bird's name was Inza and it flew out and then it came back in and influenza, influenza, not, but yeah, yeah. So, and Anna's just kind of walking through town. It's like, because she's reminded of that flu, like when she's working with the patients. And then here she's coming outside, and it's like, it's all anyone seems to be talking. If it's not the war, they're talking about the influenza of 1918. Like, you can't get away from it. Anna's walking through town, and she just sees so many reminders of the current state of things. Someone's working on building a coffin. There's coffins, like, leaning up against a... I don't know if it's called a coffin shop. I don't know. But, yeah, it's just everywhere she goes, she's just... Maybe that's not the best part of it. Maybe you need to, like, go home for a little bit and spend time with, you know, Sarah and your father and your siblings and just kind of get away for a bit. Oh, it's because that sign says funeral parlor. Okay. Alright, so it looks like the phone is working again as we go back out to the Whitting Farm. She's heard from Sam. And, yeah, it turns out they got news. Justin is at a hospital in New York, so that's good. They know where he's at. So Sarah sits down across from Jacob, and she's talking about how fragile life is and how everything could be lost in the blink of an eye in, in a, a moment. And how she says she could have died in that blizzard. And Jacob's like, well, don't think that way. And Sarah's like, you know, I, I can't help it. Just I, I look at Anna and Justin, you know, and John, who she says is probably more ill than we know than he's letting on. So what Sarah's basically trying to get Jacob to understand is like, I thought John is more sick than he's letting on. And just how fragile life is. Like you're here one moment and you're gone the next. And just to sit around, just hold a grudge, and just clearly, you know, I think that Jacob wants to make amends. He just doesn't, he wants to let his father in. He wants to forgive him. He just does not know how. He just doesn't have the words. And Sarah's kind of saying, like, you are going to lose your chance to be able to make things right with your father. Like, he's here now. And you have every opportunity now to go and talk to him while we have him here before he leaves. Gone? <laughs> Soon. <laughs> You're getting along in this contraption. Pretty soon there won't be much you need me for. Tell me everything, please. I explained it all once, a long time ago. I wrote you a letter. When there was no answer, I wrote another, and then a third. And that one came back with a note in your mother's hand that said, 
return to sender. I never knew. I don't blame her for that. She was unhappy. And I did leave. There's no way to explain that away. Try. This was not her life, this farm. She resented me for bringing her here and made it plain. I had ruined her chances for something better. Another man might have borne it, but I was young, selfish. And the life I saw ahead was nothing but unhappiness. I couldn't face it. So you left. I talked to her, tried to reason. But she'd have none of it. I told myself that we'd be better off apart. But her parents were dead. She had no place to go, so... So I went. It was that easy. It was the hardest thing uh, I've ever done in my life, leaving her, leaving you, leaving the land. I hoped it would make things easier for everybody. But in all these years, I never found another place in this world to call home. I never found another person anywhere <laughs> to love. I left all that here, and it was my loss. That's that. After you left, I begged to know <laughs> what had happened, but Mama didn't want to talk about it. In time, she didn't want to talk about much of anything. Just sat there, day after day, looking down the road. That's why we stayed here. <laughs> In case you found your way back to us. After a while, I began to think I was so little. I began to think that somehow something I had done had made this happen. You can't still think that. No. You've grown up fine. Any man would be proud to call you his son. And that's your mother's doing. Because you had no father. You came home to die, didn't you? I just didn't figure it'd be so hard. Well, can't let that happen. 
that. My son. My son. So we finally do get that reconciliation. John does go a little deeper into the fact that he did write letters to Jacob. He wrote three of them. Each one, well basically what one came back with uh, Cassie's handwriting that said return to sender. And even John was saying how much Cassie just hated the land and hated that um, he took her away from everything she knew and by the time you know her parents were gone she didn't have anywhere to go it just seemed like John was fighting a losing battle you know they're just she was miserable he didn't know how you know to make her happy and I guess he saw no other choice. Like maybe we, he probably thought it would be better if I left. But he does tell Jacob that was the hardest thing I ever did, leaving her, and leaving you. And Jacob even says to John, "I tried to talk to Mama about it, but she just didn't want to talk about it." At some point, she didn't want to talk about anything anymore, and she'd just you know sit in a chair, or she'd be standing at the end of you know, the driveway looking down the road, like, hoping that you would come back and everything like that. I just, I can't even begin to imagine how Jacob pretty much had that, hold that farm together. You know, his mother was not, you know, mentally well, you know, and just, you know, it was almost like he lost both his parents. You know, his father left and then his mother wasn't mentally available to, to take care of him and he kind of had to put everything fell onto his shoulders and if you think about it, he didn't get to really be a kid you know he had to take responsibility he didn't get to finish school and Jacob finally says you came here to die didn't you and yeah it's just Jacob wants to like I don't want that to happen without telling you how much you mean to me and just I like that they were able to sum everything up that they're able to reconcile and Jacob calls him dad which I don't know when exactly it was popular because I'm just thinking Little House on the Prairie Laura you know the kids would always say pa or ma they wouldn't say mama or papa and I'm just kind of I don't know, or mom and dad, when did that become a, I guess it just changes with the times, I'm guessing. Um, John even says, you know, even though he's been around and moved around a lot, he's never felt as at home as he did on that farm. And not only that, but he never fell in love with it again. He never loved anyone like he loved Jacob's mother, so... Yeah. I'm, just, I'm so happy they reconciled. I think what Sarah said to Jacob is like, we don't know how sick he is. You don't know how much time a person has. Like, something could happen in the blink of... And that's what 
you know, after my, right when my dad passed away, and I told Jeremy, I, said, I never got to say goodbye. I never got to say goodbye. I mean, I didn't know that he was going to be gone that Friday. That's why I was waiting to say good, because I guess he had had a couple bad days and everything, and I just, I felt so bad. Like, I never got to talk to him last time. And the last time I spoke to my dad, he would have been in the hospital. But at least I have that memory, that last memory of him to go out on. Where we were sitting watching a basketball game on television. And my dad had mentioned something about like when I had played basketball. At first I thought he was talking to Jeremy. I mean, Jeremy never played basketball. And my dad's like, no, you. And by played basketball, I mean I went to one tryout. And it went horribly. And I felt like the other girls were picking on me. So I just, then and there, I'm like, I'm not doing this. And I never went back. I wouldn't have made the team anywhere, honestly. I was not a good basketball player. I went so far as to have the physical done. And to get, my grandma got me, we went shopping, and I got my own basketball. Which, <laughs> I don't know what I did with it after that. Because, like, we didn't have a hoop anywhere at the, at the house. Or even really at the farm. Either why it might have been one in, like, the barn, but pff, I don't know. But anyway, alright, so we're getting towards the end of the movie. It looks like they're going to be celebrating Easter as Sarah pulls something out of the oven. It's a ham with pineapple slices! Isn't that usually sometimes how it goes? On Easter, you get the ham, you decorate it with, like, big giant pineapple slices. I love this so much because... You know, everyone's dressed up, Anna's there, and <laughs> Cassie is putting the napkins on the right instead, even though they go on the left. And Caleb's like, yeah, I told her. She said the right was more original. So Sarah asks where John and Jacob are, and Anna's like, oh, they're walking the farm. And <laughs> Cassie's like, well, how long can they talk? Caleb says, well, they're talking. And... Sarah tells Cassie, well, they talk a long time. They have a lot to talk about. And if you think about it, yeah, I mean, Jacob and John are very similar. So, Anna, of course, is still worrying about Justin. She asks, you know, what if he's hurt badly? What about, you know, if I feel differently? I don't know how I'll feel. And it's like, yeah, they, they have word that he, they had no word on his condition, just that he was in a hospital in New York. I love what Sarah says here to Anna, that it seems to me that love looks through the heart and not the eyes. And here comes Sam, and it looks like he's not the only one in that vehicle. It's John and Jacob are standing out there in the driveway talking. Oh! Here's the thing. We've seen Sam enter the car from the passenger, or exit the car from the passenger side, so does the driver's side door not work, or is it not meant to, or you only, I don't know. But I think he gets out so he can help Justin. And it looks like Justin's arm is in a sling, so it looks like maybe he just, you know, broke his arm, or something happened. And, uh, yeah. So, the injury isn't life threatening so good so Jacob calls for Anna and Anna comes out on the porch and she sees Justin Aww. 
this is so sweet. He walks to her and she closes the distance and they kiss and we see Sam's all dressed up and smiling. John and Jacob are smiling. We cut to the porch where Cassie, Caleb, and Sarah are just smiling. It's just so sweet. Sarah comes down the steps and gives Justin a kiss and says, welcome home. And she hugs Jacob and he's like, oh, you hear that? And she's like, no, what? He says, it's the Meadowlark. Yes, that means that spring's arrived. He says, spring at last. And they kiss. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so Sarah brings John over to meet Justin and introduces him as Jacob's father. And Caleb and Cassie and Nickel are like running around in a circle around Justin and Jacob and John and Sarah and Anna. Oh, and here comes Sam. Join the conversation. Well, our ham is about as ready as an Easter ham can be. On the left, Cassie. Napkins on the left. I told her. She thought the right was more original. <laughs> Where are Jacob and John? Walking the farm again. Talking again. How long can they talk? A long time. They have a lot to say to each other. What's wrong? What if Justin's not all right, Sarah? What if he's been hurt badly? I'm afraid how I might feel. Well, you won't know until you see him, will you? But it seems to me that love looks through the heart, not the eyes. Who surprised me this morning? Anna? Anna! Justin. Come, come meet you. Oh, Justin. 
enjoyed it i enjoyed covering this movie as i just i just this trilogy the sarah plain and tall trilogy just means so much to me and i love it so so much and i really hope you all have enjoyed me covering it for the the first half of 2021 so i hope you all have an amazing week <laughs>